Welcome everyone to Comics from the Multiverse episode 331. I am Peter and joining me is not Matt. Um, he was tagged out for the week, so uh, I apologize. This is a formal apology uh, to all the listeners, but uh, Connor is here instead. Yeah, I apologize for my schedule being somewhat freer than normal apparently right now. Slightly freer than normal. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yes, yeah, so yes, this is the DC Comics podcast, everyone. We got together, we talk about the DC books we read this week. And coming up on this week's show, we have uh, Batman One Bad Day, Mr. Freeze issue one, Nightwing issue 98, The Flash 788, Batman Superman World's Finest issue nine, Stargirl The Lost Children issue one, GCPD The Blue Wall issue two, and Deceased War of the Undead Gods issue four. Plus, Connor's got, would you believe it, Patreon books to catch up on. Uh, so he's got Harley Quinn issue 17, Tim Drake Robin issue 2, or Robin Tim Drake. I don't remember what that book's called t- exactly. Uh, nor do I. Yeah, it's one of those ways around. And then Noctera issue 11. So uh, so that's a bunch of Patreon books it, from Connor. It's Tim Drake Robin. Tim Drake, Tim Drake first, though. Yeah, that's what I wrote down. Okay, fully I... Uh, yeah, lucky guess, yeah. Subconsciously. I mean, it was a 50-50 chance. Don't diminish my success. I will diminish everything you ever do. My my successes are are mine. Thank you very much. Yeah. yeah. You made a you made a guess. Congratulations. Yep. So there we go. Uh, that's what's coming up on the show this week, and we've got solicitors to talk about. And not only that, they dropped some pretty big news as well. So. Uh, the news itself is almost a mini solicitor just for later in 2023. Uh, despite the fact that it's for later in the year, we're going to do the news first because it's the big headline grabbing stuff. Um, but we're not going to get to that straight away because there's always time for a Comixology Top 10. You expected things had changed in your absence? Expected? No. Optimistic, maybe. Oh, I just thought. Thinking. I just thought of a better introduction for you on this episode. I'm annoyed I didn't do it now. Ah, uh, you're wasting it now. Nah, because I was. Uh, I sh- I, what I should have said is, reports of his death have been greatly exaggerated, or maybe it was just wishful thinking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Ah, oh, damn it. Oh well, I'll use it in the future when everyone's forgotten I said that. I'll, 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 what background? Uh, yeah, yeah. Next fine. time I'm here. So yeah, it's Comicsology Top 10. Uh, so uh, as is the now tradition because of the way they split it up on the Amazon Comicsology chart, uh, we'll look at Tuesday's Top 10, which is the DC books on their own, and then we'll have a look at what the rest of the industry looks like from Wednesday. Uh, so yes, as of right now in Comicsology, what do you think the number one uh, selling book is? DC? Well, there's no Batman. Well, there is. This week. But... <laughs> well, there's no, no, no regular Batman. Okay, sure. But th- there is a Batman. I mean, there's always a Batman. But, I mean, I, I, those higher price books don't always top the charts just on the sheer fact that they are higher priced. So I'll, I'll go with Nightwing instead. That is incorrect. Is it the, is it the Batman book? <laughs> it actually isn't, though. But oh, thank the... God. That would have made me look really bad. <laughs> but that is higher than Nightwing, so you're still going to look pretty stupid. Yeah. Uh, no, number one, um, don't uh, doubt Jeff Johns, because Stargirl The Lost Children issue one is currently... Number one. Really? Yeah. Huh. And the That's Golden surprising. Age one shot did quite well last week, if I remember right as well. So uh, there's a also, thirst. Fun, fun fact with the, Scar- the Stargirl 
issue that was day and date on dc universe infinite at least it was i'm i'm i'd subscribe for the ultra stuff so you know, everything's like a month behind so it may just be the ultra tier then possibly it might be i don't know okay i didn't check if i had an ultra tag on it but it mm. was there and you know not written you know most things aren't day and day it tends to be uh like the other like tie-ins to stuff like the you know the, the young justice tie-ins uh, uh the the ones that were typically like digital first things before, like the Batman 89, I think those went straight up. Well, it's not hard sales, uh, clearly, yeah. Uh, yeah. if nothing else. Uh, that said, though, everything should go day and day, because then I can just get infinite and never worry about buying a comic ever again. It'd be great. Well, at least a DC comic anyway. But I don't, yeah. I don't mind being six months behind on Marvel, though. I can live with that. <laughs> uh, Marvel's only three months behind now. Oh, I can live with three months behind on Marvel. That's fine. I think, yeah. Uh... Yeah, that's just my competition's good. Marvel might actually go day and date first because DC have gotten to the month mark. They're like, well, now we just have to go... A month is pretty good. I would say for most people, you can be a month behind. Hey, if I, if I could get a poll where most of our audience would be okay with us being a month behind, then... We'd, we'd just drop to a month behind. We'd drop to a month behind. We'd do like a month of filler where we just talk about shit and then we'd be a month behind. And we'd all be saving lots of money. That, that that would be yeah, ideal. I think, um, <laughs> I think the introductory deal is still on as we speak. It's on till sometime late November. It's the twenty eighth, I want to say it is. I think yeah, that sounds about right. And I think I paid it was like seventy two pound for a year and it'll renew at that price if you lock in. Yeah. Uh, uh, at least for the I think, foreseeable... I think it's under a hundred dollars as well. Yeah, at least for the foreseeable I'm sure when they eventually put the price up that might also affect anyone who was on the introductory price, but at least for your second year you'll still have that cheap price. Which is an absolute steal, really. Uh yeah, with the price of what comics are. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh so no. No. So anyway, uh yes, the number one Star Girl, The Lost Children. Number two is Batman One Bad Day. Uh so and they have been selling relatively well, I think, uh on Comicsology by the looks of it. Uh, hmm. number three is Nightwing, issue 98, which still does consistently very well. And that's not surprising. N- number four is uh, World's Finest, and, you know, again, that's also been doing quite well. Um, I don't know if Mark Wade's name is quite like Jeff John's, but it does feel like his books have also been doing relatively well, which, uh, I mean, yeah, he's, he's got Batman, Superman, and uh, Batman v. Zelda books. It helps that he's but... got Batman in the name of both of his books as well. But, you know, like, they have been doing relatively... Sometimes, surprisingly, over other books that you'd expect to sell better because it's the, you know, it's the main Batman book or it's... it's uh, the people know that the Dan Mora art is what you should be there for. Mm. Yes. I love how you can give a compliment to someone, but it actually sounds like a slight dig because you don't like Mark Wage writing as much as other people might. I actually... You know, I, I had to catch up on on uh, Batman. So I had to catch up on basically everything. Just for, you know, they made that clear. I had to catch up on this. So, but you know, look, I had two issues of uh, of Dan Mora book to read back to back. I'm never going to complain about that. Number five is the Sea Swirly Undead Gods. Uh, there's a lot of good writer names like this week. I'm just I'm noticing that's two Tom Taylors and Mark Wade and the Jeff Johns in the, in the top five. Uh, and Jerry Duggan. No offense, Jerry, but you don't quite have Sticks the same. Sticks out as the typically Marvel name, right? Among that's, that's true. Yeah, yeah, and not not and not like well praised Marvel name either. Just kind of a a guy who's there. He's he's one of the I say mid tier writers. I don't mean that necessarily in a bad way. Like in in the summer, there's a lot of D 
FTC mid-tier writers that are like mm. workhorse writers. Uh, up until recently, I'd have, I'd have counted someone like Williamson in that tier. Well, obviously, he's, he's moved up now because he's doing the event and the highest profile stuff. But for the, you know most of the last five years, and I just, oh, yeah, he'll, he'll do a couple of mid-tier books and you know, they'll, they'll be mostly all right. I would argue Williamson still is a mid-tier writer. He's just been treated like he isn't. Yes. In, in quality, I would agree. But yes. in terms of just, I'm not sure where they place him in their pecking order of writers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pecking order is a different thing, but I would argue that he, you know, he, he hits any misses, and sometimes he, he really hits, I, sometimes I, he really misses. I think Duggan's like that for Marvel. Not not that he hits and misses a lot, but that he's one of those just, he, he's one of their stable of writers that will probably do, you know, three or four kind of ongoing books at a time, you know, in that kind of mid-tier of those writers. Whereas he's not dominating the events, he's not headlining everything, but, you know, consistently there. Hmm. Uh, so there we got number six is Dark Crisis Worlds Without a Justice League Batman issue one, and then we have number seven, which is Dark Crisis Young Justice, uh, and then we got number eight, which is DC versus Vampires All Out War, uh, and then number nine, quite low on the list actually for one of the main ongoing books, but The Flash is number nine, issue seven, eight, eight. Uh, is and that then... still a issue as well? No, not at all. No. No. Okay. Uh. And even when it was, a t- it wasn't really that, t- like, much I of a I just thought, because if, if it had been a tie-in issue, it would have made sense, because you've got the other two Dark Crisis books mm. right above it. But, uh, and then number 10 is Black Adam, issue 6. So, uh, very good. Uh, I will say, Catwoman's very consistently been not in the top 10, even though DC is on its own on the Tuesday <laughs> for a while now, which suggests that book's not doing too hot, but... Yeah, well, that's... Catwoman books never do that well, though. Like, surprisingly. Yeah, that's they've, strange. They've not sold that well for a decade at this point. Yeah. Uh, and then GCPD, the blue wall's just behind that as well. But it's... Uh, that's never expected, I think, to be like a bit, uh, an ultra seller. That's something where the, the, the trade will be quite prestigious, potentially. Mm. And, uh, be... I'm surprised it didn't crack the top 10 still. Yeah, you know, I guess you just have like enough people buying Titans United Blood Pact, which was number 11, <laughs> that... Oh yeah, got to get those Titans United books. Yeah, so, hey, it is, it is what it is. Uh, and we'll have a quick peek at what the rest of the industry is up to on the Wednesday. Uh, so what do you think the number one book from the rest of the industry is? I have no idea what Marvel are doing right now. Um, there was a Star Wars book this week, I think. <laughs> um, uh, there might have been, I don't know. Oh, there is, yes, there is a Star Wars book. Not number one, though. I'm, I'm judging, um, yeah, not number one, clearly. Uh, was, was there a Spider-Man book or an X-Man book? <laughs> I, I don't know what's coming out this week. Uh, okay, well, number one was Immortal X-Men issue eight, which is a Kieran Gillen book, which is why I thought you might know about it. I mean, I'm aware of its existence, but I haven't started reading it yet. Mm. Yeah, so. Um, then number two is Star Wars Hidden Empire. Yeah, see, I knew there was a Star Wars one. And, and number, do you know what? You you were looking so hard for that, like, oh, God, no, because it's not Star yeah, Wars. Yeah, because it didn't stick out. I, just because it says Hidden Empire in big text, but the Star Wars parts, like, I didn't recognize the character. That, this, this could just be a Marvel character for all I know. It's just someone in a, a red and white cape. I haven't seen the cover, so I'll, I'll tell you a word for it that it doesn't look Star Warsy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, number three, She Hulk, issue eight. Uh, number four is Iron Man issue twenty five. Uh, 
Uh, number five is Blade Vampire Nation, issue one. It's a Mark Russell book. Uh, number six is Gold Goblin, issue one of five. Gold Num- Goblin? Yeah, Gold, I don't know. Don't ask me, because I, I have no idea. Don't ask, because I can't tell you. Uh, and then we got Captain America and the Winter Soldier Special, issue one. So it's the one shot. Uh, number eight, we finally have a non-Marvel book with Something is Killing the Children. Oh, it's a very good book. So that's cool. Uh, number nine is Murder World Avengers, and then number ten is Thunderbolts issue four or five. So yeah, nine Marvel books. Marvel, yeah, yeah. Uh, to be expected, relatively speaking. Uh, there's a couple of Sonic books out in the top fifteen this week, uh, which at least beat Namor in like uh, Gambit. <laughs> so anything that beats Gambit. Yeah, I I, I concur. Uh, also beat Doctor Aphra. Unless this is a this may be a trade though. I don't know, let me just click on it and see what it is. No, no, I should 26, so yeah, Dr. Aphra's quite far down the list. Yeah. That makes sense. Mid-twenties at that point of the book, right? But it's a start. It's, it's amazing that she's had a pretty consistent ongoing for quite a while now. Like, the, obviously, yeah. this is 26 issues. I think the last one got higher than that before they renumbered, so... Hmm. Well, yeah. Uh, yeah, there you go. Uh, that's the uh, the top list of books. Uh, from Comicsology this week. Uh, we'll get into what we read, of course, a bit later. Um, I assume you didn't catch up on everything that you didn't need to for today, so you've still got stuff from like last week. Not, not everything. I've been working on some stuff around it. Uh, nowhere near last week yet, though. Okay, okay. Just, just curious. Uh, anything in particular you were curious about? No, 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 not particularly. I just, I just, I just happened to see in the corner of my eye the books from last week at the the bottom. Uh, I just wasn't sure if you'd read any of last week's books. But... Uh, no. Yeah. Although no, you read Golden Age, right? Because that was leading into. Uh, I did. I did read that, which I didn't really need to. But. Oh, it turned out, but it, it felt like it might be relevant. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I, I was gonna leave it and just catch up with that over the next week or so. And you were like, "Oh yeah, that that that's how it, it spins out of that." It, it doesn't. Well, no, it, I know that now because I've read the Stargirl book, but it felt like both Stargirl and GSA me. were... Well, it did, no, it did mention the lost children. There, there, was a, there was a mention of the missing <laughs> characters that were new. There was always a mention. There was, there was a mention, so shut <laughs> up. There was a mention, yeah, yeah, you lied to Well, me. I didn't remember the Stargirl Spring Bake thing from two years ago that they, they say is more relevant. Yeah, yeah, that, that, that might have been useful to know, to, to maybe reread or a little bit of a recap page, DC. A recap page would it. I don't think it hurt the book too much, but it would have been nice to have a recap page just to refresh, like, what it's talking about. <laughs> but still, yeah, that, that was a while ago. That issue. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure I've uh, had electronics like bought and died in that time <laughs> since that issue came out. Um, but yeah, but we got big news to talk about. Uh, one big bit of news that has a lot of things in it, and that is Dawn of DC, which we kind of already knew about this, you know, this titling, and there were, uh, I think they were called the Dawn of the DCU before. Uh, now it's just they Dawn were, of DC, yeah. and it's basically just, you know, it's another one of these sort of initiatives where here's a kind of a banner to launch a lot of new titles under, and we already kind of know a couple of them because we had all the Superman announcements already, uh, for you know early in the year. Uh, Action Comics 1051 being kind of the, the kickoff, and we have the new Superman book, which is actually in the solicits we're going to get to later. Uh, but uh, So basically, there's going to be a bunch of, of titles coming out after 
uh, they've done this Lazarus Planet thing, and they're going to be starting new creative. T- Again, all it really is is some creative shakeups and some new books. Um, it's unclear from this list that I'm about to read from which ones are ongoing in minis, and the reason why I say that is because one of them is definitely a mini because the cover clearly indicates it's a mini. Um, and I was also reminded it was also the winner of that round robin thing from last year, but that's. Which- yeah, it might be the only reason it's a mini, potentially. Possibly. But it wouldn't surprise me if a couple of those were also minis and they're just not mentioned that it yet. It is possible, yeah. They they did say, um, you know, that there's going to be 20 new titles and at least two other events after Lazarus Planet uh, oh, during the year as part of this event. Yeah, that all sounds fine, yeah. Uh, there is an image that kind of, like, teases, like, some stuff. It sort of fades to black, but there's kind of, like, a timeline uh, the only reason why I'm bringing this up at all, to be honest, is because one of the things that it teases towards the end of it is a Hawkman symbol, and I'm only bringing that up because there's no Hawkman book listed in what I'm about to read to you, so uh, just worth mentioning that there's probably a Hawkman thing at some point. Yeah, it's interesting because they seem to, like, on that image, they are pretty broken up by months that they're yeah. being announced. So you would assume um, there's going to be at least one per month uh, after that as well? Uh, yeah, I would assume so. Uh, I think it's interesting because we know... The the month with Hawkman in uh, has the Shazam symbol as well, which we're going to talk about in a minute. Um, so I think it's it's interesting that they're not announced everything from that month. Clearly, no, uh, maybe they just want to finalise at least one detail. Uh, maybe they don't have like either the creatives like nailed down for it yet or something, and they want to hold it back. But regardless, uh, we have a bunch of new titles to talk about. Ultimately, is what we're we're here today and. Uh, basically the announcements are from March onwards uh, because we already had the Superman announcements um, so up first in this this line of books we have Unstoppable Doom Patrol which is kind of cool we're getting a Doom Patrol book um, I think uh, you know Doom Patrol's maybe in a bit of a different place culturally than it was the last time it had a book because there's been a TV show which is about to get its fourth season uh, season four premieres in December so even if that's not the world's biggest hit, the fact that it's had a four-season TV show means that there's probably a group of people who are willing to read a Doom Patrol book that weren't before. And Probably. that Before it got... It, it had Jared Way's name attached to it, which definitely helped, I think, its initial sales, yep. just in its existence. There's a lot of uh, emos who never bought a comic book before buying that because Jared Way's name was on it. Believe me, I, w- I went to a... A Comic Con where Jared Ware was signing around that sort of time, and <laughs> oh my god, the queue of emos that went just to all. <laughs> it was um, it was a lot. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, but that book was ultimately hurt by some pretty significant delays more than anything else. Such yeah. quite a good book. I don't. I remember being. Like, I remember being really confused by the first issue because I literally never read a Doom Patrol book when I tried that first issue. And then, you know, I've since read a fair bit of Grant Morrison's Doom Patrol, and I've watched the TV show. Like, I'm a lot more familiar with Doom Patrol as a property now, so I feel like I'd probably understand it now, but at the time it was very confusing. Yeah, I went back and I read the first series of it, because there was like two minis, essentially. I think there were like 12 issues each, maybe. Yeah, and then the Uh, Mark Wars thing, whatever that was. was That was in the middle, yeah. That was a crossover. Um, I read that first series, and it was was really quite good. Uh, Definitely... Recommend it. it says here that this uh, Doom Patrol book's from Dennis Culver and Chris Burnham, and I feel like Chris Burnham was involved in that book, maybe. Okay. Uh, this is apparently spinning out directly from Lazarus Planet. Uh, the world's strangest superheroes are saving the world by saving its monsters, and there's a there's a cover uh, for this, and even like a, a page of un- 
colored comic art. Uh, I'm kind of pumped for that. I mean, I don't really... I, I mean, Dennis Culver's not a name that strikes, like, excitement in my heart or anything, but uh, I am happy that there is a Doom Patrol book, and I'm excited to give it a shot, because um, I do like a bunch of those characters. And just sort of looking at this, like, unfinished art page uh, and seeing, you know, Negative Man and, and you know, like, Cliff and all that, like, it's just nice to see. Uh, yeah. So, you know, uh, cool stuff to have them back. Uh, the winner of the Round Robin, uh, which is Superboy Man of Tomorrow, is coming in April. Uh, Kenny Porter writing with uh, Janoi Lindsay, right, uh, on art. Um, determined to find his place in a strange universe, Connor Kent slash Superboy leaves Earth behind, but his journey of self-discovery brings him face-to-face with a group of freedom fighters who challenge not just everything Connor stands for, but what it means to be the super- or to bear the Superman crest. Uh... Yeah, I, this is probably the, the least exciting one. A, because we kind of already knew about it because it was the winner of the, the tournament, but it was also one of the least interesting sounding of the tournament. Yeah, yeah, we weren't particularly excited about that even at the time. No. Uh, it's not funny where if you reframe it as it's just in this list of new titles, like, ah, oh, it's a super wide book. Yeah, I'll give it a shot, whatever. Uh, but knowing what it be, <laughs> it's like, eh. Yeah, it's, it's probably the least exciting thing in this entire lineup as well. Yeah. Uh, also April, there's no artist yet, but we have Mariko Tamaki to get in a new book. Hopefully I don't got ongoing, because I, I would like this one to be. And that is Green Lantern Hal Jordan. Uh, so this is just, you know, a Hal book, uh, which seemingly is going to be set more on Earth than space itself. Uh, yeah. I think just to, to counter out, you say, oh, you hope it's an ongoing. Mm-hmm. Um, later in the year, we have Green Lantern John Stewart. Yes. Uh, from Philip Kennedy Johnson. And the fact that that's later in the year... I'm going to guess it's a six-issue mini, and it'll start pretty much direct, you know, John Stewart will show up pretty much after Hal Jordan finishes. That's less interesting to me than just having two ongoing books. Uh, that's interesting, but I think that's what I would suspect is happening, and it's their way of not... Because they really don't want to oversaturate Green Green Lantern right now. They've They've been insistent for a while of having just one book. Mm, I hope you're wrong, because I want both of these. I, I hope I'm wrong. I, I want both of them. Because both of these have people on it that I want to read long-form stories from. I really like Tamaki, and I really like uh, Philip K. D. Johnson uh, doing John Stewart. So, um, yeah, I just hope you're wrong, basically. Uh, I hope I'm wrong. Yeah. I was. I, I actually looked at this and thought, oh, we're finally going to have two Green Lantern books again. Uh, and you're trying to dash that hope. I'm not trying to. I'm, I'm, I'm setting your expectations. It's expectation management. I'm helping you in the long term. Uh, are you though? I don't know. Yeah, well, you, you don't want to get really excited to have two Green Lantern books and then them, they crush you like in a few months' time. You just prepare yourself for that. I, I think you're reading a lot into later in the year because that's what you're basing this all on. I could be, but they have announced all the others they've announced up to June. We've got books announced up to, so it's at least after June, right? That's only two months later. <laughs> Well, no, because it'll be, it'll be July by the time it's announced. So that's we'll have had three issues of Hal Jordan, which already, which for me, I'm like, okay, I can I can see that being that's halfway a, through, and then that's only half of it. All right, I think you're reading too much into this. Um, and... I would like an apology when they announce it my way. No, no, if 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 you're right, then you're the prick for uh putting for being this, right for putting this thought out there, and it's your fault. I, I'm sure DC have already made the decision on how many issues this is. Or at the very least, they have an internal decision 
that they are not sharing right now. They haven't decided that... shit. How many books end up being longer than they originally thought? No, no that, that's kind of what I was getting at, where they've, they've, they've definitely got a thing recently in, in, in recent years where they, they will announce something as this many issues, but they have a back-end deal of, oh, if it sells the X, X well, we will extend the issues. Yes. Well, I'll be cynical for a second, because the next book, Cyborg, coming in May, and I don't care what they say about this, this will effectively be a miniseries. <laughs> even, oh, if yeah. even if they, they say it's an ongoing, it'll be a miniseries by the time it ends. <laughs> yep, they haven't even announced a creative team for this one yet. They're no. just like, yeah, of course we're going to have a Cyborg book. Why wouldn't we? Yep, yep. Uh, I'll give it a try like I do most Cyborg books, and it'll probably get one issue. Get one issue, like like most Cyborg books. Unless, you know, the team's just that exciting and do something interesting with it. I, I just, I don't see that going... Uh, whereas, you know, those, I mean, obviously there's no names here at all, but those names on both Green Lantern books are tantalized, and it's like, okay, 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 yes, I want more books from these two writers, regardless of what they are, pretty much. The fact, yeah. that, you, the fact that you're giving me Green Lantern books, which I've been feeling kind of deprived of for a while is even better um obviously it'd be even better if it was a, a jessica or, or kyle uh i, I, I would not be surprised to see those coming like, like if my theory is true i think you get for the next you know couple of years essentially just mm. we'll we'll run through all the lanterns with the six issue mini i'll read them all except one you'll read it uh, we got Batman Braving the Bold, uh, which they've, they've listed a bunch of names here, but clearly it's going to be rotating teams. We got Tom King, Mitch Gerrards, Gillen March, uh, <laughs> Gabriel Hardman, Dan Mora, uh, Rob Williams, and more. Uh, although Tom King's the only writer there. Maybe is Tom King writing all of this? Uh, no, it's. No, uh, okay. I, I did see that they said it will all be right. uh, different creators uh, each each issue. And it's obviously the, the premise is Batman teams up with different heroes. That's, yeah. that's what Braving the Bold has always been. So it's a series it's, of one shots, effectively. Yeah, basically. Uh, that's fine. Well, there'll be good issues. There'll be bad issues. Uh, the one with Gillen March. Unless, he, unless it's like a great writer. In which case, you know, you get that conflict. But uh, otherwise... Not on the bright side, I mean, it's an, it's an anthology series. It'll be easy to skip. Oh, of course, yeah. Uh, then we got a Green Arrow book, which is something we've also been missing for a long time since uh, his ongoing ended way, way back. So this is going to be Joshua Williamson with Sean... Uh, as, as Isaacsy, yeah, sure. Yeah, go with that. Uh, this is coming in April. Uh, Oliver Queen has been lost since Dark Crisis on Infinite Earths, and his family has been ter- determined to find him. But there are dangerous forces just to, as determined to keep them apart at any cost. So, you know, there's a little bit of a monkey's paw here with this one. Um, now that Joshua Williams is writing it, I think he's a perfectly fine writer for a Green Arrow this book. This is when I say yeah, mid-tier writer. This is the sort of character I expect a Josh Williamson to, to be on. I have no problem with Williamson writing a Green Arrow book. The problem with this is the tie to Dark Crisis, because I've been enjoying Dark Crisis, uh, as is Matt. Um, but the thing with Green Arrow in the last issue felt just kind of murky, and we didn't understand why it was happening the way it happened. So the, the fact that this is spinning from that is kind of weird. I'm sure it won't actually matter that much after the first issue or two, but uh it's like ah oh, whatever <laughs> i don't know I have, I have no idea what that thing is this is gonna be weird for me when i start reading this green I'm, arrow book ho- hopefully it's just something they brush away quickly but if it's if the first arc's about getting to him or like him coming back then it might be a very big thing in the first arc yeah i think the fact that because it's obviously that's williamson's event and this is williamson writing this it'll probably feel like a pretty heavy follow-on as opposed yeah. to you know another writer just kind of brushing it off 
Yeah, yeah, that would be my my thought. And obviously, he's writing Superman, which is his big book. So you know, I always do like the 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 writers who are big DC writers having uh, two ongoings. One which is you know a bigger character, and then one is like a, a B character. Uh, I do like mm-hmm. that kind of setup. Uh, and then we have a Shazam book coming in June 2023 with Mark Wade and Dan Mora, which is the current world's finest team. Um, Billy Batson is back as the champion in an action comedy comic about a boy with powers that rivals Superman's and the whole lot of growing up left to do. Uh, we'll see Shazam hanging out at the Rock of Eternity, his secret clubhouse that can travel through space and time, as well as punching dinosaurs in the face, seeing how long he can hold his breath on the moon, and getting into wild and fun adventures with his tiger, Talkie Tawny, by his side. Uh, this is all great. The only slight uh, thing I don't like about this is that I'm loving the current Mary book from Shainer, uh, and I'm a little sad... That was that... only ever a mini, though, wasn't it? Well, yeah, but I, I would like it to be more than that. <laughs> so... Like, inherently, I'm a little sad that we're back to Billy just because I'm enjoying what the current the current thing is. And it's only four issues, so yeah, I would like more. Yeah. But uh, Mark Wade and Dan Moore on a Shazam book um, is not something to be upset about in no. any way, shape, or form. It sounds fun, and um, Newsarama also clarified that uh, neither of them are leaving World's Finest. Apparently, Moore is st- pulling hard duties on both, um, which sounds extreme, but he was doing this for a good while on... Uh, you know, he he was on Batman. Uh, was it Batman? No, he was on Detective, wasn't he? Um, while also doing Once and Future, and just yeah, the, Once and Future had a couple of break issues uh, that let him get ahead on tech, but they're like break months. Yeah. Uh, whereas I think uh, World's Finest just will have the occasional fill-in artist. I think yeah, even February we'll get to it in the solicits. That's a fill-in artist. Yeah, we've already, so had, we've already had one, so we don't even have to. Yeah, exactly. So I think it'll just be like, as opposed to just one issue, it might be two or three at a time, you know, a little small arc without him. And then he'll rotate through arcs, essentially. Um, well, I'm just glad that Wade's still on World's Finest and that's still going to be an ongoing book because I'm enjoying it. And uh, yeah. uh, there was a chance that maybe either it was like going to end around this starting or possibly just have a new team on it. So. Uh, that's cool to hear. Uh, next up, we have The Penguin, which is a Tom King and Stefano uh, Guadiano book coming in June 2023. Uh, after escaping Gotham City and his current criminal past to happily retire Metropolis, which has actually already been set up uh, in another book, uh, The Penguin is forced to back into organized crime by the US government. Uh, the feathered felon and Gotham City will never be the same. So... This is the most Tom King premise ever, right? The Penguin has to work for the US government. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, I don't necessarily need a, a book with Penguin as the main character, but, you know, it's Tom King, so I'm sure it'll have some interesting uh, commentary and things to say. Uh, I also don't feel like I need a Penguin TV show, but we're getting one of those too. Uh, so Yeah. So, you know. Uh, Apparently people want Penguin. People want Penguin. Um so somehow Penguin's getting more stuff right now than Joker is. I don't know how that happened, but <laughs> he is. Uh, Steelworks uh, is next up, and that is no team as of yet. It's coming in June. Uh, just in time for his 30th anniversary, John Henry Irons must bring Metropolis into the future while trusting his niece Natasha to carry the mantle of steel. Um, that sounds like a fun idea, is having like both of them and having it be kind of this legacy passing. This definitely feels like a mini in waiting. It probably is, just because it's a smaller character that doesn't tend to have ongoings. Uh, I don't know if Steel's ever had an ongoing off the top of my head, but 
Uh, I can think of. But, you know, it sounds like a fun enough premise for a book. Again, it's not a creative team. This is the sort of book, though, that I'm sadly expecting to get, like, some unknown creators on it that I've never heard of. And then it may be good still, but it, there'll be no, like, guarantee or, like, hype for it as a result, I don't think. Mm. Uh, it is interesting, though, because if, if you bundle the set of the super line, though, it's like, oh, this is, like, the, the C-list Superman book of the, the month. Like, it kind of has a place in that bouquet, if you will. Yeah. Yeah, it makes sense. Just kind of padding out the Superman family. Um, it's the sort of thing that if you throw in a Supergirl book as well, like, you know, it definitely. I know that that's maybe going to you know step on some toes with what they're playing with action, though. Yeah, but arguably so does this because I think this is exactly the sort of backup that could just be in action as well, and they're still doing it. Mm-hmm. So, um, I like with the action going bigger with the the two backups like it wouldn't surprise me if uh yeah supergirl's just in there for a while but at the same time she is the biggest second super character if that makes sense so i also wouldn't be surprised if she ends up with a book again before the end of the year yeah i would not be surprised if it's one of these to be announced yeah so i mean looking at this list as a whole um, I'm delighted that there's a Doom Patrol book. I'm delighted that there's some Green Arrow or some Green Lantern books, also a Green Arrow book. Um, and I'm excited for the Shazam book. And then the others are kind of like, oh yeah, we'll see what they like. Uh, and they're not as exciting on their own. But it's not a bad uh, list, you know. Especially since it's not like we're replacing a bunch of books in the sense that, you know, we still have a lot of the books that are ongoing are still ongoing. We still have Batman. We still have, you know, Superman, Action Detective, and. Nightwing and you know all these other things that we're currently enjoying are still happening. Yeah. So if this was like we're cancelling everything and this is just the books that we're starting with, it'd be like, oh, there's a lot of stuff missing. But that's not the case with this particular list. No. No, it's pretty varied. Also, I've just uh, had a glance again at that image, you know, the the, the black image of the timeline. Aye. Um a couple of things I've noticed on there. Uh, it has the events across the top. So obviously we have Lazarus Planet, but in the middle we've got one that seems to be starting in July by the look of where it is on the time. And it's night something. Night as in dark night. Uh, as in night so, spelled with a K. Yes, but I, no, I was specifically <laughs> saying that because my assumption was going to be that it's probably a Batman-related event. I mean, probably, but like I, I would probably compare it more to Nightfall because it's 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 written like that where it's night first. So, you know, It'll be nights. I, I can see it being all one word, effectively. Night. You, you say that as if that's not a Batman-centric event. No, I'm, that's not what the point I'm making. I'm saying that the Dark Knight... Uh, I, I'm saying I, night... I wasn't referencing the Dark Knight of the movie. I meant the Dark Knight as in Batman. No, I know that. I'm not saying you're referencing the movie. I'm saying that Nightfall's the perfect thing to compare it to because it seems like it's going to have a very similar title because night's coming first. It's a bare comparison. I, I don't understand what you think I was comparing it to. Well, because you were basically just trying to say how the word night is spelled. Yeah. Night, as in dark night, as in it's a bat <laughs> event. That that was a perfectly logical sequence of the steps. Way, the way this is presented on this is that you see the word night, and then it fades to black so you can't see what the second half of the word is. So... It's, if if I mean, anything else, if anything else, this is probably going, this title, in the same way that we have a lot of crises or we have a lot of rebirths, I feel like the, the point of this title is to harken back to Nightfall as a title. Possibly. I will say we can see the first letter of what actually looks to be a second word. It looks like a space. It's a, it's a T. 
Um, Night. So. Treat. Treat. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that'll do it. Night. And, Night. Uh, ta- ta- takes over. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> the only other thing I've got from this image is the uh, the thread going across the bottom. Uh, very, you know, looks like some brainiac tubes, uh, like wire tentacles, wires. Oh, I suppose, yeah, maybe that's leading to the big event, the third big event at the end of the year. Yeah, yeah. I was just thinking, I'm assuming Brainiac related. Yeah, you could also... Nah, maybe not. I don't think it really makes sense with what's already there. I was going to try and theorise about the, the different strands and maybe that represents, like, merging of timelines or some bullshit, but I don't think it actually does. <laughs> I think I'm just... No, if anything, it. it's kind of... Uh, it's only one, one side of it, but it's, you know... Kind of going alongside, like, once I have like a DNA strand, like, yeah, like yeah. I, I could see it coming like This is the, the DNA of the DC universe, is kind of what they're trying to say, right? Ah, uh, yeah, something like that. Uh, so there you go. So that, that's the big dawn of DC announcement. So there's a bunch of books, uh, which we'll get more information on, if not before, then certainly when these are all solicited and when the time comes. Uh, but uh, yeah, so some, some fun stuff in there, and I think what's nice about it is that. Like, there's it's not a lot of uh, there's like two technically Batman books, but by and large, it's all things that were kind of missing from the lineup, rather than just here's some more Batman and Superman books. Yeah, but there's always going to be more Batman books. Yeah, yeah, but that's it's such a small part of this. Whereas it could have easily been like here's like you know nine Bat related titles and then one B lister, <laughs> and you'd like it. Well, if the teams were alright, I uh, probably would like it, but... Yeah, yeah. Uh, if you wouldn't like it, you'll buy it anyway, because Batman. I I, I just appreciate some of the variety. As I do as well. Uh, so, we'll get into the solicits for February 2023. Uh, obviously, you know, we've seen some of this stuff in, in some form or other. Uh, we get to have a look at some of the nice covers, if there is some, and uh, just generally have a, have a look-see. So, uh, starting off with Superman issue one, uh, which we knew was coming from Joshua Williamson and Jamal Campbell. Uh, start of the new run, we, you know, we'll see what uh, this new era of Superman's going to be. Um, Interest me, it mentions that it's an oversized issue one, but mm-hmm. it still only lists as 32 pages. So, um, either no ads or somewhere is a typo in there. I mean, there's mistakes in these sources all the time. I wouldn't worry yeah, about it too much. Good. Uh, some nice covers here. There's one of like young Clark in the in the in the field, which is quite nice. Uh, and yeah, not a fan of that one. I like that one. Uh, what about the? Uh, I assume that's Parasite's hand coming through like plastic. That looks really nice. It does look pretty cool. Yeah, it's a very very stylish cover. So yeah, uh, some cool stuff in there. Uh, there's a lot of variants for this one actually. It's an issue one, so I guess they're going all out in the. Uh, yeah, yeah, they they do, don't they? Yeah. Uh, it is worth mentioning it's four ninety nine, which uh, would indicate that it is oversized. Because unless this is one that's always going to have a backup, in which case it's that's normal. Yeah, we'll find out next month. But... <laughs> I guess we'll find out. Yeah. Um, Action Comics one thousand fifty two. So obviously they're highlighting these new super uh, lines here at the start. Uh, so you got. Johnson on the main story, but you've got the Dan Jurgens and Leah Williams uh, backups. Uh, Dan Jurgens, uh, I won't mention this every time, but just to reiterate, since it's just sort of still a new thing, 
Uh, he's doing kind of the the sequel to Lois and Clark uh, that he did, you know, just before Rebirth, which is set during that time uh, with young John Ken. And then Leah Williams, I believe, is in a Power Girl uh, story. So, uh, yeah, cool stuff. Uh, something I'd like to say is, is during all the marketing of this, you, you use the word backups then. They've mm-hmm. been very careful to avoid using that because they, they're billing it as three equal value stories. Um, mm, okay. I would maybe like to see them change the order in each issue, like rotate which one gets to be first to kind of highlight that they are supposed to be equal value. Uh, I don't think they will, but you know, I can see it always being the Superman story first just because he's the, the headliner. It, pr- it probably will end up being that, yeah. Yeah. Uh Interesting to see what the page counts for each story is then, because it's not because there's not enough pages for three twenty-page stories. So, I mean, no. you, you say equal, but I've got a funny feeling it's still going to be twenty pages for Superman, and then you know the rest, you know, split up for the other two. It may well be, and if that is the case, by all means, keep calling them backups. <laughs> yeah, and, and that's okay. There's nothing wrong with them being backups. Like I actually think it's a fun idea to give some of the the sub, you know, characters yeah. some stories. To be honest, I, I don't think that's a bad choice uh, just I, i've i've been noticing how they've been calling them you know these three equal billing yeah. stories they've, they've not wanted to call them backups yeah uh connor kent's on the cover of this one and i'm only pointing that out because the cover for uh the current issue that's coming out next or that just came out uh has like the super family all floating in front of the fortress of solitude and keenan kong's even there but i noticed that connor wasn't and i thought that was quite funny <laughs> <laughs> also the, 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 it's, the a throw, it's a throwback to earlier rebirth yes uh and the two kids are in this one as well because they've got their own super suits now so uh we'll get more into that stuff i, mean, I don't know if you're caught up in action i am not no uh well this is the two kids that he saved from a uh, war world who oh. him and lois have, have basically adopted <laughs> so i'll uh, get that yeah so that's cool, cool stuff. Um, I don't like that main cover, but they're all in a sort of group pocket. Well, that second cover is quite nice as well, actually. Uh, quite a few nice covers, to be honest. Yeah, the second cover is like uh, the background's the blue, so all of their blue in their suits is just sort of the background, and like the other details are just drawn over the top of it. Um, quite interesting. That's uh, a really stylish one by Fornes. Uh, uh, like, oh, is that the one with uh, the kid on the? The treehouse? No, no. Fornes is what I'm guessing is Metallo. Oh uh, right, like yeah, the, the yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I mean, I love a good cyberpunk-looking bit of yeah. art, so I'm, I'm all, I'm all for it. Uh, next up, we have Lazarus Planet Next Evolution Issue One. This is a a one shot, and uh, it's got a bunch of different writers here, so it would definitely imply. I, I mean, my assumption from this is that this is going to be a lot of uh, shorts that lead into, you know other things coming up perhaps uh so yeah yeah so there's a lot of neat names on this uh writers we got ram v uh brandon t snyder chuck brown and delilah s dawson art we got late kamar laura braga uh alitha martinez uh and mark morales with roe and stein so yeah so interesting stuff here and it looks like uh we've got uh variety of characters here on this guy. Who's... Is that... Who, who's the... Who's this one with the scope thing? On the cover? Who's this? Uh, I don't know. I'm... 
Looking at the, the solicit text, I'm, I'm going to say this is the heroic Deadeye. Okay. I was going to say, it looks like some sort of weird redesign of Deadeye. But yeah, fair enough. If, I'm forgetting this is Lazarus Planet, so yeah, we've got all these weirds. So we got Red Canary and stuff. Uh, yeah. That's, that's fine. That's fine. Uh, so I'll see how much I'm into the Lazarus Planet stuff before I commit to any of this. But uh, there's, again, some decent covers for this. That's to be said. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. That's to be said. Uh, we also have Lazarus Planet, Dark Fate, issue one. Which is Tim Seeley, Joshua Wilmson, Dennis Culver, uh, A.L. Kaplan, and Alyssa Wong. Writing with art by uh, Valdemar Rivas, Chris Barnum, A.L. Kaplan again, and Haining uh, on art. So, yeah. It looks like exactly the same, just with a different set of characters. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which I think is how kind of Lazarus Planet in general's like doing its thing. It's all these kind of... Yeah. Even to the point where both of these books have... Uh... A Marquez cover as, as yeah. their primary, and even and, you know, even the next book that we're going to get to. So it very much feels like three books kind of doing the yeah. same thing. Well, the next one's a little bit different, and Lazarus Planet Omega issue one is the finale of the whole thing. That's because it's the book ended by Mark Wade's issues. So this is Mark Wade and Gene Lun Yang writing uh, with art by Ricardo Federici, Billy Tan, and more to be announced. Uh, so this is going to wrap everything up, uh, mm. is this one. So yeah, going to be kind of a weird. Uh, mini event or whatever you want to call this because it doesn't feel like a big event it feels kind of like a you know one of these little oh we can all kind of go wild with uh these weird other versions of characters kind of thing yeah but yeah a lot uh, of characters on that cover there is uh that second cover is very nice though i'm not sure what is that ben oliver maybe i don't know Regar- yeah it could be regardless uh again lots of nice covers and there's a lot of variants for this one uh so I see there's a Jim Bartel one. I figured you'd like that, yes. Yeah, but oh, I do like it. <laughs> there you go. Uh, next up, we got Batman vs. Robin, issue 5. You know, continuing the Mark Wade story. Have you uh, caught Diff. up on this? Uh, I've read the... F- hmm, I don't know. I- I've read some of it. <laughs> I don't know if I'm caught up. Well, there's there's only been three issues, uh, but there's a lot of things that have kind of went I down. Think- I think I've only read two. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I think I've got one more to read. I shall not say anything then, but... Uh, yeah. Yes. But, yes, very very curious. Uh, what's interesting... This is final Yeah, this is a five of five. That's why it was so weird to read that there was a whole, like, this mini-event thing spinning out of issue four. It's like, wait, the second last issue of this miniseries is spinning out into stuff that's fine because a bold new chapter in the lives of batman and robin begins in this issue because they have to make sure you come back for the final issue and not just of course worry about whatever was coming next yeah to be fair i've actually really enjoyed it for the most part and i like that wade's really getting in deep with the continuity now with this and obviously even more so that he's taking on other projects so uh, it is interesting some of the deeper cuts dc are willing to make with the continuity right now obviously we'll talk mm-hmm. about it later but referencing uh, Gotham Central in current continuity is a pretty deep reference at this point in terms of just sheer time. I love it. It's perfect. Do it. Yeah, I'm, I'm not complaining, <laughs> but it's, uh, it's, a, it's definitely a change in direction to what they've been in recent years. We just had to get rid of Dedio. That's all yeah, it was. Basically. We got rid of that. I don't want to switch so bad. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just say F-wit. Just imagine yeah. I'm saying the full thing. 
Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm sure many people can imagine that perfectly fine. Yes. And then I mean, most people probably thought it themselves at some yes. point about it. Uh, next up, Batman 132. Uh, so, uh, I'll be interested to see what the next arc of, uh, of Batman is with Chip at the helm. Uh, you know, once we're post this. Uh... Tim Drake backups, though. So, I can finally read Tim Drake and not have to see who's <laughs> Who's uh, on? Oh, is this all Zarski in the backup? I think it must be because he's the only writer listed. Oh, ah, yeah, cool. Interesting. Uh, that's cool. That's cool. Uh, obviously, Catwoman's in this issue because uh, the first two covers are very Catwoman heavy. <laughs> so quite nice covers, to be fair, yeah. both of them. Oh sure, yeah, sure. Um, but yeah, very cool. Uh, Batman and the Joker: The Deadly Duo, issue four. This is the Mark Silvestri book that neither me or Matt decided to try because we read the title and went, eh, I don't know. <laughs> this is the one that was like a decade in the making, like like it was announced a long, long time ago in a different format and. Yeah, yeah, no, nah, I'm, 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 I'm all right. Thank you very much. Uh, but yeah, that exists. It's still going. Very good. Uh, the Riddler Year One Issue Three, uh, only Issue Three in February. That must have taken a month off at least somewhere. Because Issue One already came out this month. Oh yeah, must have done yeah. <laughs> it is shocking how long you were doing the math. I, in your I'll head be there. honest. I didn't know what month we were in. Oh Jesus. <laughs> Shocking. Um, this, it's a long year. Honestly, this is, I would have tried issue one, and the only reason why I didn't is because this may have been one of the weeks that we were doing a lot of books catching up uh, from when we were off for a week. So uh, I never read it, sadly, but uh, I was curious. <laughs> I was curious. Mm-hmm. Uh, Batman One Bad Day, Clayface issue one. This is uh, Colin Kelly and Jackson Lansing uh, with art by Zermanico. You know what? The oh, writing team that doesn't... makes it worth reading. Yeah, the writing team doesn't isn't that exciting, but then you put in Zermanico. Okay, okay, you've got your, 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 your linchpin. I mean, just look at that Zermanico cover. Yeah, it's very, very nice. Uh, with, you know, it's Clayface, and then Batman's also kind of like made out of clay, or he's coated in clay, whatever you want to call it. Uh, but it's very pretty. Yeah. Uh, so. I he's made out of, it looks like he's coming out of Clayface's hand. It, it does look like that, yeah. It does, it does look like that. Um... Yeah, second cover I'm not as into, and it's not that it's even that bad. It's just that compared to that first cover, it's so kind of cartoony. That it just nah, give me give me that that stylish. Yeah, cover. it's not like a terrible cover. Yeah. But... Uh, Nightwing one hundred and one. What we're we learning in this, I wonder. Yeah, yeah. Well, not a little... yeah. That's a good joke. Everyone liked that. I know they did. Uh, yeah. So uh, Tom Taylor's run continues. Um, obviously, issue one hundred is a bit oversized. Uh, if people remember, but so is this one actually. But the looks of it, forty pages. Uh, hmm. interesting. So I mean, it is four ninety nine, but it's it's got the extra pages. So uh, and um, just it mentions about the uh, the new team of Titans, uh, in in this issue, and that's because partially they're kind of being the main team going forward for the rest of the year. It seems they're the they're. they're being adamant that there's not going to be a Justice League book for a while. Oh, okay. That's, that's uh, cool with me. And I don't think in-universe there's going to be a Justice League either. I think they're just, it'll be the Titans stepping up. Yeah. So, well, that's cool. Uh, and interesting, this is going to a bigger, at least for a month. I mean, maybe it won't stay uh, with the extra pages and the $5 price tag, but... Maybe. Um, there is there's a great Titans variant as you go through them. Even that, uh, I assume that's a Jamal Campbell cover with Nightwing with the sticks. That looks quite good. With the lines behind mm, them. That's not Campbell. 
Is that not Campbell? That's not Campbell's signature. Oh, fair enough. The shading was kind of Campbell-esque, but uh, that may be Travis Moore, maybe, right? Uh, Price is the signature, or something like that. You mean Picat, maybe? Maybe. No, no, that's a bias, that right here. There's no price in that. There's like three variant artists listed, and none of them have prices. There is, but the the signature is just on the on the right. Uh, just if you look under where his oh, hair is. Oh, yeah, I see it. I see it. Uh, price it looks a, like a price. Price with a Y. Um, well, none of them, unless Vasco Gorgiev, uh goes by Price as a pseudonym. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't know who that is, but uh, yeah, the Titans covers. Uh, that's that's the Moore one, right? Uh, I think so, yeah. Yeah, I'll be the mirror one. It looks like mirror. So, yeah. Oh, that's, that's nice. Um, have we got Poison Ivy issue 9. So, there you go. Uh, I, I kind of forgot that wasn't a, a mini. Well, it, it kind of was, and then it got extended to 12, and then it may get extended again more, they said. Well, uh, yeah, I I don't see a, a of 12 in that. No, I, I, don't, th- I don't think they are, because they're kind of... Treating it. Yeah, because uh, yeah. I think it did say, like, one of six originally, or something like that, on the cover, but then they changed it to just ongoing, or some, or whatever, I don't know. There was, I remember seeing, like, a tweet about how the, the cover had changed its labelling. Yeah, I vaguely remember that. So, hey, so if, if you're into Ivy and Harley being romantic with each other, uh, it seems like you're going to enjoy this issue. <laughs> been a good book so far. I'm a little behind, I think I'm one issue behind still, but it's pretty good. Yeah. Um, there you go. Uh, you know, I, I like Wilson's writing, so I, I wish she was on something that I cared a bit more about, but, you know, I'm glad that uh, the book's good for people who are into uh, and I, I like both characters well enough, but I'm, I'm just not necessarily into them as having their own book. Uh, Detective Comics 1069, obviously just continuing Ram V's run. Uh, yeah. All fine and well. Yeah. So Mr. Freeze stuff going on. Uh not mad at that. No, well, those covers still phenomenally oh, styled. That one with the the red uh like smoke monster, whatever it is, is yeah. particularly nice, I think. That is very good. That's yeah, very good. Oh, and there's a variant another version of it where the background's black and white. It's just the red that's in colour. Oh yeah, that that is gorgeous as yeah. well. Uh we got Static Shadows of Dakota issue one. Let's see what this is, because I don't know. Uh, this is written by Nicholas Draper Ivy and Vita Alea, uh, with art by Nicholas Draper Ivy. Uh, the cover is fairly nice, actually. Uh, it sort of plays with lights and darks quite well. Uh, you've got static, kind of like on his electric disc in the middle. Uh, yeah. It's got a nice sort of look to it. Uh, static is backed, uh, though Virgil and his friends might have been able to stop the government's off-the-books prison operations in Dakota. A powerful new threat lurks in the shadows. The mysterious Ebon is uh, cutting a bloody swath through the underworld on a single-minded quest to find his brother. Against this backdrop of exploding violence, innocent people are finding themselves in the crossfire. The breakout creative team of Nicholas Draper Ivy and Vitalia have returned to make Static's life and Dakota City very complicated indeed. Uh, you've never felt shotless. Is Dakota City like Static's fake say in the DC Universe? Uh, I think so, yeah. It's... Okay. We're just continuing the milestone stuff, right? Which we've not really started. Yeah, no, yeah, we've not really looked at the milestone stuff much. But um, 
I just I wasn't sure if this was a real place because obviously there's the state North North and South Dakota, and I was just wondering is this what it's talking about or is no, but then it said Dakota City, and I went, oh wait, no. Is yeah, this a real very place specifically somewhere? A city. Yeah. Uh, oh, there is a Dakota City in Nebraska. I and and there's one in Iowa. Oh, so it could be one of those. It, it could be. <laughs> I don't think so, but yeah, yeah. Oh, well. So uh, that's cool. Though it's another six issue mini. Uh, for static, it's nice that these Maelstrom books are getting sequels of some form because I, I think you could have been not blamed for worrying that mm, they wouldn't sell enough to get that treatment, but it's nice that they are keeping them going. So, yeah, that must be pretty consistent. Yeah, and speaking of Maelstone 30th anniversary special is a one shot out. This is kind of like the other 100 page specials you get that are anthologies, except this one's all Maelstone uh, stuff with uh, a big, you know, list of names. You got Chuck Brown, Nicholas Draper Ivy, Stephanie Williams, and others on writing. Nicholas Dripper Ivy, Yasmin Flores Montanez, and Dennis Cowan, and others on art. So they haven't listed all the names yet, but uh, you, you know, if you've read any of these like, anniversary issues for the characters that we've, we've done in the past, you'll, you'll know exactly what to expect with this. Yeah. On so. the bright side, we've not been reading the masks and stuff, so we can skip this 100 page issue. Because oh, sure. Yes, yes. Those things are hefty. They are hefty. Uh, and then we got another new mini for Milestone, which is Icon versus Hardware issue one, which is a five issue mini. So, you know, we're getting a crossover book for uh, one of their next batches. Yeah. Interesting to see them solicit a book without an artist. Oh, really? Yeah, TBD. Oh, by TBD, yeah. yeah. Uh, that's interesting. Maybe it's just a case of, like, I don't know, they're just not quite put pen to paper, so they don't want to actually say it yet, but they're, they're just finalizing it. I would hope so. I would hope it's not a case of, oh, we don't have an artist lined up yet, but we're going to have this book out in, in February, don't worry. It'd be so weird to commit to it when they could just wait and solicit for a month later if they have to find an artist first. So I have to assume that they have something cooking. Yeah. They're, they're claiming this is a, a jumping on point for the current milestone stuff. Even though it's it's the, you know, the kickoff of an event. So we'll see. Okay, interesting. Um, then we have, oh, we do have another 100-page special that we may actually want to read, which is Shazam! Fury of the Gods! Uh, oh, there's a lot of names on this one. Shazamily Matters, issue one. See, I wish they'd just called it Shazamily Matters. <laughs> I know, that would be way funnier. Uh, I also hate that they called it Fury of the Gods special, because it's like, oh, you're tying it to a movie. I mean, I, I know Zachary Levi's written one of the stories, right? I get that, but <laughs> come I, on. I assume the movie comes out in February, at least allegedly right now. I think it's March is technically listed for, so, you know. Okay, close well, enough. Close this, enough. Is, this is on sale on the 28th of February. So, yeah, so, probably like a week so, or two before. So, basically March. Yeah, so writers include Zachary Levi, Grace Caroline Curry, Ross Butler, DJ Corona, Adam Brody, uh, Faith Herman, Henry Gaden, Colleen Doran, Josh uh, Truyo, Tim Seeley, and others. And others? That was already like 10 days. <laughs> what are you doing, others? Yeah. Uh, art by Freddie Williams II, Andrew Drillian, uh, and Jim Lee and Scott Williams. Oh, that's, well, co- that's, that's cover. Sorry, it's on the same line. So we, have, we have like 12 writers and, and two, artists. two artists. I'm sure we'll get some more artists before it comes out. <laughs> I hope so, because otherwise those poor yeah. artists are doing 45 pages each. I said this is one that we're going to have to probably do before I realized it was a movie tie-in. Now it looks like it's going to be all like the movie versions of characters. It's probably an easy skip, sadly. But because I assumed when I glanced down and saw this, I, I thought, think, oh. Yeah, are, are those all, like, 
actors for the movies. Yeah, these are all the movie actors. O- obviously, that... you've got like a few towards the end, like Tim Seeley. That's that's obviously not. But are the rest of them all the actors, and they're just like oh. paired up with someone? Oh, oh yeah, because Adam Brody's there. You're right. Uh, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, maybe they're all paired up with an actual writer. There's a co-writer too. Yeah, that, that's a good point. Um, yeah. No, I was saying the cover. Like it's all the likenesses of the the actors on yes. the cover. So. And then it has an actual movie cover. With all, yeah, area, with just all the actors. Is, yeah. I, I always hate when you get a comic cover that's just a photo. It, it looks really yeah. weird to me. I don't know, I don't like it. Like, I hate as well, they do it with like, with books. Like when, you, you know, when, when the movie comes out and you just get the movie poster as the book cover. At least if it's a movie poster that's like a, like a piece of art, though, I don't mind it as much. But a photo is like, that's a magazine. A magazine uses a photo of actors. Like, not a yes. comic book. That's, just, that's weird. Oh, that that should be the cover on like Empire or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, so maybe that is a skip thing because it's because uh, typically with really badly photoshopped heads on them. Oh, for the act, like, like every single oh, yeah. one. Yeah, you're right. They do look quite rough. That that looks so badly done. Yeah, a lot of their necks look a bit tall. Like, why why don't they just have photos of them? Like, I don't understand why. why There's definitely some shots of them in costumes, like for publicity. That's that's what they exist for, people. Oh, I never understand. Uh, next up, we got DC Ruby issue one. I swear we've had this book five times already, but they're doing it again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So Bennett writing though, that, you know, that's that's uh, not nothing. I don't know if Margaret Bennett's that much of a draw to me. She's really solid. I've liked pretty much everything I've read from her. I don't know, Batwoman kind of fizzled, I would say. Yeah, no, that's fair. Yeah. But, I'm not saying she's, like, amazing, but I've I've enjoyed most of what, she, what she's heard. Holy shit! Swamp Thing Green Hell issue two! What? Uh, when was issue sure? one? When was issue one? Look this up uh, for me. When last was, year. I, I know it was last year, but <laughs> when was Green <laughs> Hell issue one? Because it's been... Where's my Titanic gif? It's been 75 years. <laughs> uh, let me see. Uh, on sale... Oh, okay. December 28th last year. So the very last week of, of last year. The 2021. So it'll be like 14 months 14. to get issue two out. I don't know why it's taken so long. That was a really good issue. I'm going to have to reread the goddamn thing before this comes out because it's been too long. It's been way too long. Yeah. But what it the w- hell happened? But it was good enough that I know I definitely want to read this and talk about it, so I'm going to have to reread the first issue. I, see, I say that you say that, but I'm like, I don't want to read it if I'm going to have to wait 14 months for issue three. Well, one would hope that it's not going to be the same again. One because... would hope that, but they also did solicit this issue as well. Yeah, but to be fair, this is clearly irregular. Whatever's happened here. Yeah, this this was I'm pretty sure solicited for last February. Do you think they just got the year wrong? Maybe someone, someone put it on the calendar due for February. 2023 I don't know. Who knows? Maybe maybe Doug Mankey was sick. Maybe he had like family things to deal with, and they just sort of waited for it to you know, yeah, to, to be done with. I I don't know what the reasoning is, but regardless, I'm I'm fairly confident it won't take fourteen months. I mean, it may take six months, but it's not going to take yeah, fourteen. No, I'm not willing to say I'm fairly confident in that. I'm I'm confident. Uh, the first issue was great though. Uh, these co- yeah. these covers are very nice. I'm. Excited these, to. These are all the same covers we had solicited last yeah. time, because I remember at least two of them. Well, whatever, they're still good. <laughs> so they are. They are still good. Yeah. So but I'm sure we said that a year ago as well. Uh, yeah. So I had to highlight a few trades before the rest of the singles. So I'll just point these out. Batman Volume One Failsafe. Obviously, it's Zarsky's first arc. Uh, you know, first six issues, as you'd expect. 
Uh, Batman Spawn, the deluxe edition. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> was yeah. that what you expect? Uh, Sandman Universe Nightmare Country Volume 1. Uh, so, this is the hardcover uh, of the first... Uh... It doesn't say, but doesn't I'm say. assuming six issues. 184. Could be seven at a push. It says that it includes a mini print of Death of the Endless by okay. New Prisons. So. so, probably six. Yeah. Uh, Sandman Universe Nightmare Country Volume... What, wait, was that not what I just read? Oh, so what you had before was like a... A hardcover version with some exclusive cover art and stuff. Collectible hardcover. Okay. Whereas this one is just the... The trade. Yeah. Okay. Well, okay. Well, you get trades for those. Uh, Deceased World, the Undead Gods. Um... Also, it was six issues. It says in the paperback version. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I saw that, yeah. Uh... Surely this is meant to say volume one. There's no way... War of the Undead Gods is only eight issues. Oh, that's true. When's this solicited for? May? May. Oh, yeah, I guess that works out. I was thinking yeah. it wouldn't be ready in time, but yeah, fair enough. Yeah, if, if we just did issue four this week, right? Yeah. So, yeah, that works fine. Uh, DC vs. Vampires Volume 2. That's what you'd expect. Uh, Task Force Z Volume 2. It's the back half of that miniseries. Uh, they're doing one of those box sets where they put a few trades together. So there's three Flash trades going together. Uh, and they are Fastest Man Alive, Flashpoint, and... The Batman 1989 movie? So this is for the yes. new movie. It, it, out, it does say, read the stories that inspired or okay. were influenced by the motion picture The Flash. Which Wait, it, allegedly is coming out. Hold on, hold on. Read the stories that inspired the motion picture The Flash. And one of the three is the comic adaptation of the 1989 Batman movie. Well, that's because Keaton's in it, isn't it? No, I get it, that's why it's there, but that's, that's yeah. just... No, it, that book exists. That, that movie inspired the Flash. Oh my, no, piss off! I, just piss off with this logic. I don't. I can't get on board with this at all. Uh, Batman, the 1989 movie adaptation is getting a new printing, new soft cover on um, its own outside of that box set. Yeah, uh, I've actually seen a few pages of this because in my old Blu-ray of the movie, you got like the first like I don't know, twelve pages or something like that. <laughs> Fair enough. There's like a little preview. Very old way art, so it must. It probably looks pretty good. It looks alright, yeah, it looks not bad. Yeah. Uh, then also Flash, Fastest Man Alive. Uh, and then Flashpoint got a new edition, which I'm sure Flashpoint's always been in print. I'm not sure anyone's desperate for a new version, but that's fine. Uh, Wiz Comics issue 2, facsimile edition. Batman, the doom that came to Gotham, new edition. This is Mike Mignola and uh, Richard Pace, with art by Troy Nixie and Dennis Janke. I'm not familiar with this, but it's a three issue oh, miniseries. Very good. Is it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, definitely recommend it to anyone who hasn't. Yeah, well, there's a new, it new printing of the three issue miniseries uh, coming out, so it'll be easy to. Yeah. Yeah. Although, this is an old cover. Look at the DC logo in the corner. Mm. That's the corporate peel logo from like 10 years ago now. It is, yeah. I, I guess they. Uh... <laughs> got to update that on the file uh, and just yeah. whipped out the old version uh, i guess they did uh batman who laughs deluxe edition uh i, I guess that's worthy of a deluxe so. <laughs> i mean I, honestly while i don't obviously think it's that good i'm always in support of this because i think every mini that, that dc puts out should get a deluxe edition because they all because deluxe editions are nice and they look better 
I mean, I don't dispute that, but I feel like this is getting a deluxe because Scott Snyder wrote it, not because of anything else. Yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, all right, so back out of the singles then uh, for February, we got Batgirls issue 15. Um, and I've been enjoying uh, this book. I, I think it's gotten markedly improved uh, after issue 1's, like, overstuffedness became less of a, a thing. Uh, I'm, but the most important part is there's a damn moral variant. I mean, that's always good. I like the main cover with uh, Steph as well. I actually honest. like all the covers, so... Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah Dan Moore covers, very nice. Uh, I love... Because I, I love how they all have, like, different colours in the costumes, so they always look good as a, a set, you know? Yeah. Uh, and then even Nightwing's on that cover with the, the blue, just to add to it. Yeah, they all look nice. There's a bunch of nice covers on that, on that issue. Uh, Batman Incorporated issue 5. I forgot this existed, <laughs> if I'm yep. honest. Even, even on Infinite, where I'm like, I could, I could read it. I still haven't. Yeah. Uh, Batman Superman World's Finest issue 12. Uh, yeah, we have Emma... I assume that's Emmanuel or Pacino. It's just they've shortened I it. I assume so. They've just, yeah, yeah maybe they've decided to give it a shorter name from now on. Yeah. yeah. I, see, I mean, Emma's easy to say. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so... yeah. I oh. mean, look, obviously, we, we love Dan Moore on that book. Dan Moore needs a break. Also understandable. Lou Pacino's a great villain. We still get a fantastic Dan Moore uh, cover, though, because uh, you got yeah. Robin and Supergirl in the foreground, Batman Superman in the background. I, I love uh, just kind of... Because it's set in the past, we get these more Silver Age-looking characters, and I kind of I dig it with the Dan Moore art. Yeah, it really works. Yeah, so all very nice. Yeah, Batman Beyond the White Knight issue 8, which is the final issue of that miniseries. And then we got Batman Gotham Knights Gilded City issue 5, which is the penultimate issue. Of that one. That's the tie into the game, yeah. Uh, I would assume so. Uh, the game that is crashed and burned, and uh, I assume isn't selling very well because because it's already on sale. It's already on sale and doesn't run very well on a technical level. And uh, just finding out simple things where it's like you're hoping for, oh yeah, give me more of that Arkham combat, and then oh, there's no there's no counter button in this, and there's no jump button. <laughs> like what? Yeah, it's a bit janky. Very, very weird. Uh, Batman The Adventures Continue Season 3, Issue 2. Uh, so, that's going on. As is Batman The Audio Adventures with Issue 6. We got Black Adam, Issue 8 uh, of 12. Uh, and as most of these have had nice covers, uh, this one continues that that trend. Yeah, I would I would actually expect this one to only be 12 issues as opposed to get extended. I think Priest yeah. probably likes the... Well, you know, works well in the confined format and then we'll do something else after. And not only that, I think you also have uh, the fact that th this in some part, even though it's not a tie-in to the movie, probably exists because of the movie. And by the time this is done, it'll be, you know... 100%. I mean, I know this, this past week, uh, James Gunn, obviously, you know, is now in charge of all this stuff, was tweeting uh, pictures of Mr. Terrific. I think mm. it was that uh, Alex Ross cover from from JSA, the earlier John stuff. You know, the, you know when they did all those... Uh, like the blacked out covers with all just, you know, one character on. They did a whole run of them for a while. Um, give, give Priest a, a Mr. Terrific book next. Why, why not? <laughs> yeah, why not? Uh, yeah, I'll read that. So, you got Black Adam there, and then we got Blue Beetle Graduation Day issue 4, uh, which is the six-issue miniseries, which is starting very soon. So Yeah, this month, I think, right? Yeah, well, it's advertising all the back of the, the issues right now, so yeah. uh, it's definitely on the horizon. Uh, so, no, I mean, I'm glad for Jaime to get 
getting new minis in the series uh, every so often. He's, he's kind of like <laughs> a nice little character to keep continuing. Uh, Catwoman issue 52. Uh, you know, as much as none of us are really that interested in reading the current run, uh, ever since, obviously, Ram V finished up, I do think it's impressive enough that it's gotten to 52 issues. That's a good length for any comic ongoing right now to get to, it, to be honest. So. Yeah, especially as as we kind of said earlier, the Camelon book has not sold well. Even like you know, even when we were loving it under Ram V, it didn't sell that hot. It it just it never cracked in. Yeah, you know, top tens of of anything. I think it was doing slightly better than it is now, but yeah, maybe slightly. But I don't think it was a huge difference to the point where I I don't think they're looking at this going, oh my god, the sales are so much lower. We need to change course. Yeah, uh, Danger Street issue three, uh, Tom King book which i'm very much looking forward to this is his next 12 issue kind of that, that, that cover though oh yeah, it's gorgeous yeah uh it's his next prestigious <laughs> 12 issue book um yeah i can't wait for that uh dc horror presents sergeant rock versus the army of the dead issue six so that's wrapping up the bruce campbell written horror book. With, uh with a, a zombie hitler with zombie hitler I mean, of course it ended with zombie hitler right what else would it end with <laughs> it's a fair point like it's, it's the only logical conclusion uh, Deceased World and Dead Gods issue 7 is coming out in February. So, very cool. Uh, GCPD The Blue Wall issue 5, penultimate issue of that. Yep. Uh, digging, you can see Mayor Nakano on that cover there. I like, I like that it's still kind of in continuity, even though obviously it's focusing on, you know, a very different set of characters. It does feel very much like in continuity, though. Like, nothing about yeah. it feels out of place. No, but at the same time, it could easily just be taken aside and you could adapt it without you know mattering because it's all on its own self-contained uh so very nice uh gotham city year one issue five penultimate issue of that uh so very cool harley quinn issue 27 is coming out i don't know if there's anything interesting to say about that probably not uh harley quinn the animated series legion of bats issue five which is the penultimate issue of this animated series tie-in i'm just reading the description for harley quinn uh, it says fifty to eighty Harleys from other universes. Is that a is that a Wild Hogs reference? Going back to you know, those days of Twitter before Twitter was on the verge of dying. Maybe, for all we know, it's dead already by the time you see this video. Um, was it was it, was it fifty to eighty Wild Hogs? Was that refer- was, was that what I was? I don't remember. Do you, know, do you not remember this part of Twitter? That 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 one day where that was the the thing. I, I think I remember something about hogs, but I mean, I, I don't know. I really don't. Uh, I Am Batman issue 18 is next. Uh, so that's still going. Just Society of America issue 4 by Jeff Johns and Mikhail Yannin uh, is next. Uh, so that's issue 4 of 12. Uh, well, it was always 12 issues. This, this was... Uh... Yeah, God, can you imagine them trying to give Johns an ongoing? <laughs> yeah, uh... exactly. I don't know. With, with his TV show cancelled, maybe he's uh, got the time to write an ongoing now. He'll, he'll find something else to keep busy with. But he's, he's, he's got uh, this and the Stargirl book simultaneously, so he's, he's, he's done a he couple does, of... and he's also got a book or two at Image, right? With, mm. He's definitely got one with Gary Frank. This is the most he's ever written comics-wise simultaneously in a long time, uh, right now. So Probably since before New 52, yeah. yeah. Uh, Monkey Prince issue 11 is out in February. And then we got Punchline, the Gotham game, issue five. Did you uh, guys bother trying that? We did not, no. Shocking. Yeah, it did not appeal. Uh, Scooby-Doo, where are you, issue 120? 
Stargirl The Lost Children issue 4 in February. Uh, which looks like it's getting a little bit, uh, well, I wouldn't say meta per se, but uh, you've got Stargirl reading a, a Flash comic on the cover. Uh, and then you got Superman Space Age issue 3, this is the Mark Russell book, where it's three 80-page issues. Um, so, you know. Is that every other month? Yeah, yeah, it's not monthly. It's, there was, that, I mean, because issue one's already out, so yeah, it's definitely taking time off between. Did, did you guys read it, with it being 80 pages? I think it was a busy week, so I don't think... Matt might have went back and read it afterwards. Fair enough. I'll check in with him. But I'd have to uh, double-check. Uh, Batman and Scooby-Doo Mysteries, issue 5. Then we get The Flash, 792, uh, which is the next part of the One Minute War story arc, which they've been teasing. Uh, and we get The Flash, 793, which is also part of uh, One Minute War. Flash double shipping? Uh, as for this arc, at least. They switched to double ah, shipping okay. for this arc. Uh, the entire art takes place in one minute. Is the that makes sense? Is yeah. the big gimmick. So I guess they thought a quicker uh, turnaround was a good idea. Uh, the Human Target issue twelve, the final issue of the current, uh, quite frankly, phenomenal book uh, by King. Uh, I, I won't speak to the quality of the series, but my god, that cover! Oh, the cover is beautiful. The, the covers have been knocking it out. Oh yeah, they, they have always been stunning. Pretty consistently, uh, and they're all good there. But yeah, that first one is definitely my favorite of the three. Uh, absolutely phenomenal stuff. And then we got The Joker, The Man Who Stopped Laughing, Issue 5, the Matthew Rosenberg book. Not uh, phenomenal stuff. Not so much, no. And then we got Sandman Universe, Dead Boy Detectives, Issue 3. I saw just some stuff on this the other day, just like, you know, like, not even marketing, but just, you know, the, the creatives involved kind of tweeting a few things. Uh, I, I'm very interested in this now. It sounds really good. Hmm. Uh, we got Tim Drake Robin, Issue 6. And uh, we got Titans United Blood Pact issue six, which is the final issue of that. Uh, Wildcats issue four, uh, which obviously just started last week. And then we got Wonder Woman seven nine six, which is still the current team, so I can ignore it still for a little bit. <laughs> uh, yeah. And then we're all oh, the trades then at that point. That's all the single issues done. Uh, we got Batman volume five, Fear State. Obviously, this is just the soft cover version of uh, the last Titan arc. Uh, Deathstroke Inc. Volume 2, Year 1. We have Harley Quinn Volume 3, Verdict. I Am Batman Volume 2. Infinite Frontiers Paperback is coming out. Uh, GSA by Jeff Johns Book 5, which is collecting issues 46 to 58, and then a couple issues of Hawkman. Uh, you know, I, I do like DC are doing these collections. The, the, I feel like they're becoming less relevant if you happen to be digital, because, well, you can just get Infinite <laughs> Ultra. Yeah, and with Infinite, but, specific, I think it is specific for Ultra, I'm not sure. Uh, at some point this month, still some ethereal up-in-the-air date, they will be adding trades as well as just single issues to make things like this even easier for reading uh, through. Okay. Well, Especially that's... older stuff where you are jumping around a lot. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I, I don't remember, you know, what this correlates to in terms of like the, the old... Because I don't even think all of it was released in single trades. But No, it was a mess. But... Uh, yeah, this so. is the it says Black Rain, well, so that's the, the the Black Adam stuff during that run. Yeah, I'm just trying uh, to think of like how far into the the run this is. This is probably into the second omnibus, I imagine by now. Yes, or I, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, yeah, maybe maybe even the middle chunk. If the, if the first omnibus was split in three for the first three trades, this is probably the the middle chunk of the second omnibus. I would guess. Yeah. But uh, good that they're still continuing with it. Uh, all the same. 
Um, then we got Legends of the DC Universe, uh, Carmine Infantino. So it's kind of a, you know, a hodgepodge showcase. Yeah, yeah, of different issues. Uh, Multiversity 18 Justices Trade Collection, Naomi Season 2's uh, hardcover collection, uh, Power Girl Power Trip, uh, which is a 12 issue series, uh, which I have not read, but this is. Palmy Artery and Connor, uh, yeah. and Justin Gray series. Uh, it was very good. Um, I enjoyed it a lot. When was this? Was it this pre New 52? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. This was uh, a good while before. Yeah. Uh, I thought so. I thought so. Uh, Robin, Volume 3, Secrets and Shadows. This is the last of the Williamson run paperbacks. Uh, obviously, ending with issue 17. And we got Sandman Mystery Theater Compendium 1, which has Sandman mm. Mystery Theater issues 1 to 36 and the annual issue 1. Uh, this is kind of a wild paperback collection to throw out. Yeah, it's interesting. That's something I've always kind of been meaning to read and just not got around to. Yeah, this is uh, Matt Wagner. Hopefully Wag- they'll throw that up on Infinite. Soon. Yeah, this is Matt Wagner and Stephen T. Siegel. Uh, well, the good thing is if they're adding in trades at the Ultra tier, even if they don't add the single issues of this, then you may still get the, uh, the trade collection. Yeah, they've been adding in, like, uh, or they've, they've said they're going to add more Vertigo stuff as well, so mm. uh, yeah, it'll be, it'll be nice when all that you know drops uh, again at some point this month, but also they did tell us that it was going to be summer to be outside the US on Infinite like a long time ago. And it, it was not summer when we got it. It was like a year later. True. So, I, I don't trust their timelines when they say things is what I'm saying. Uh, um, I just haven't them checked. The, uh, the Stargirl issue is not part of Ultra. So that's just day and date on there. Okay. Well, that's the end of the solicits. We're done. Finally. Uh, between that and the news, we're already an hour and twenty something minutes into this. They did episode. give us a lot of news, so uh, they could have just given us the Dawn of the DC stuff next week when there's typically no news because solicits dominate this week. Yeah, you'd you'd think, wouldn't you? That'd have been nice and convenient, but you know, uh, whatever, I guess. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, all right, well. I guess we can uh, get into the comics then uh, for the week. So, Batman, One Bad Day, Mr. Freeze, Issue 1, Jerry Duggan writing with Matteo Scalera on the R. So, this is... Is this our fourth One Bad Day? Or third? Maybe third. I think... No, it's, I think it's four because we've had Penguin, we had Riddler, and we had Two-Face. This is the fourth. So, um, yeah, so from a creative team perspective, this was probably the one that I was the least excited for so far, uh, but... I liked Scalera's art a lot. Well, I didn't know who he was off the top of my head, so I didn't have any... But mm. but, the, but the writer, you know, Jerry Duggan's not someone that inspires any kind of feeling from me, uh, good or bad. So, uh, I went with this, you know, kind of just neutral and was like, curious. I like Mr. Freeze as a character, so I was curious what they were going to do with it. Yeah, what, what what their aim was is take all that sympathy that you have from the typical Freeze origin and make him less sympathetic. I actually think it's a bit more complex than that. I think what they were trying to do here is they were trying to split the difference between the traditional Mr. Freeze backstory that most people know and kind of take some of the ideas of what Scott Snyder did in the New 52 
and sort of go somewhere in between the two of them so that you have something that's more akin to the classic story, but brings in some of that less sympathetic element that was introduced with the Scott Snyder. Because if, if no one remembers this, in U52, uh, Scott Snyder redid Mr. Freeze's backstory with a sort of twist, which was that he was never actually married to Nora Freeze. Uh, that wasn't really her name. Uh, this was like a woman he was stalking and obsessed with and who wanted nothing to do with him. So it kind of turned him into this big creep. So it took all this, all the sympathy was gone and he was this monster. Um, which was an interesting issue that because it was an annual that told that story. Um, but at the same time, Hart, right? Yeah, but at the same time, I don't think most of us really necessarily liked the change. <laughs> it was, it, it like... was one of those typical. I'm not even going to hold Snyder responsible, really, because I think it was one of those new Fifty Two change for the sake of change. Like he, he probably got told he had to change it to some degree. Oh yeah, possibly. Uh, I think what this is doing is a bit more interesting though, because this. This is basically saying, no, they were married, he does love her, but it's presenting the idea that it wasn't a perfect marriage and that there's, you know, some, like, the, the way he's going about this, it's not, because I, I think it, his backstory before, you know, one from the animated series and the one that's been tra- traditionally presented in comics is that, you know, he loved his wife, his wife got sick, he froze her, and he, he hopes to cure her one day, all that stuff. It's all fine, right? And you know, obviously the animated series episodes about it are really good and all that. I think what this does is that it makes it feel more real in a way because it's saying, no, it's not just this fairy tale thing of this perfect husband who wanted to do this for his wife, but he turned evil because, you know, this accident happened. It's presenting that, no, there, you know, he had problems and there was... I don't know. I feel like this added more layers to the character to me. It's because I, I understand where it's come from and why you like that. I think for me, the idea that he was, again, I think for me as well, this this falls more on the idea with One Bad Day, is that he was a quote-unquote normal, kind of regular upstanding guy beforehand. He did love his wife. It was a, a if not perfect relationship, but healthy relationship, because this, this definitely paints it as extremely unhealthy. Um, I think I prefer the idea that, the, and then in his trying to find a cure, things go wrong. And it's not just about having an accident, but more... The, the situation makes him more cynical as time goes on and, and he becomes worse. I prefer that angle than this where he's kind of a shitbag already. Like this this is definitely presented as no, he's a very controlling husband. It's he's not a good person. And I don't really like that angle. And it, 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 it's it's not as bad as the the new fifty two take on it, don't get me wrong. It's not as far in that direction. But I still don't really like this side of it either. It still takes away what I liked about Mr. Freeze's origin. It's a believable level of flaw, though. Is I think what I like about it is that it's not. I don't think it does make him a completely awful person necessarily. I, th- I think it takes him and says, "No, he had his faults." Because uh, I think, because it's not like he goes to this extreme level where it's it, they say he's controlling over like by the end, and obviously it's kind of shitty that he doesn't let her friends see her before she's you know seemingly going to die. But by and large, it sounds more like a natural kind of like relationship where he does just sort of like, you know, retreat into his work. He doesn't socialize. He's kind of like cut off from the world. And that makes her feel alienated. And it feels like, no, they had actual marriage problems that she's kind of been honest about, you know, as she thinks she's dying and he's not going to be willing to let it go. But it raises this interesting question. Is he freezing her and being determined to save her 
for for her sake because she wants to live you're i think finding out that she actually was like no i'm ready to die don't like obsess over me like do something good because you've got a you know you're intelligent, you've got this brain, you you have the capacity for helping people, which of course you get, because I think that's the thing with the ending is that there is a little bit of that gets through and he does actually do something good for the world at the yeah. end of the issue. Um, but this idea that he's actually doing it out of this selfish thing because he needs her in his, his life uh, to obsess over. And perhaps maybe even, you could argue that some of it might even be guilt over the fact that he didn't, like, you know, give her any attention for a long time up until she got sick and started dying. Um, yeah. I'm kind of reading into that a little bit there. It's not necessarily spelled out, but uh, I think... I'm not saying I necessarily want this to be the the canon origin necessarily going forward, but I think I appreciate that it tried to just make the relationship feel a bit more real, that there was some problems, but it didn't necessarily start off in a problematic place. You know, it wasn't... He was a stalker who was, you know, staring yeah. at her and, like, delusional. Like I say, delusional. it's significantly better than the, the New 52 version uh, in that respect. Yeah, that, I that's... Think, like I said, you can have problems uh, yeah and it doesn't have to be a, a perfect marriage for me but i think the fact here where it gets to the point of like oh you can't see your friends and it's it's where it's raising this question of he's freezing her for his sake not hers i think that before freezing her i think it has to be he has to be more sympathetic than that for me why because i think for me that that's the tragedy of, of freeze is it's in the in the failure to save her the desperation, that's where he kind of loses himself and without her there to pull him back, you know, that, that without that kind of, you know, relationship, that's where he, he kind of falls apart and becomes villainous. This here, where he's already, no, it's, it's a very selfish reason that he's doing it to begin with, and where he's starting that journey, for me, takes away that, you know, that, that entire journey because, uh, you know, he can't go through that because he's already in a pretty bad place. So for it, me, that's significantly less interesting. He's not a super villain, though. I, I think there's a he's big not. there's a big difference between a, a guy who's slightly controlling, and notably, I, I think I'd point out here that he's only controlling once she's on her deathbed. Like he's not saying you because I mean it's very clear early on that she goes out with her friends all the time. It's only at the very end that he sort of denies access, and he never tells her that. He lies to her and just says it was some nurses or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, it's only to the other people he's saying go away. Um, so, and I'm not sticking up for this behavior. I want to make it clear. I'm just saying that this feels more like a flawed human being to me. So it's not as much of a, a switch being flipped when he has an accident one day uh, when he can't save her and, you know, goes goes nuts and becomes Mr. Freeze kind of thing. Um, I think this is just trying to make it a bit more, I guess, uh, just a bit more nuanced and potentially grounded. And maybe you don't necessarily want that or need that, but... Uh, I, I thought there was more benefits to this and it felt more like a natural fit to it than what Snyder did with the, oh no, he was a complete stalker and creep the whole time. And Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, like I say, on the scale of things, significantly better than that. Uh, absolutely well not. And I think it's it's a very well-told issue as well. Um, yeah. Despite my, my personal hang-ups, I don't think it's a bad issue. Yeah, it's, it's kind of the story in present day of uh, you know Dick Grayson as Robin saying to Batman, like, you know, you don't believe that any of them can be redeemed. And he's like, well, maybe Mr. Freeze because of what happened to him. And it's kind of the lesson that, you know, in some level he was already, you know, doing things for the wrong reasons. And, you know, when Batman sets him up with the lab and says, you can work on this, you know, when Freeze fails just once, he, you know, gets mad and like crashes the lab and 
you know, goes out and on a spree and all that stuff. Uh, but, you know, along the way, there's just some great scenes where he runs into Mr. Freeze in the tunnel. I think Mr. Freeze's first page when he comes out of the shadows is particularly nice. Oh, that full page, yeah. Yeah. That is very nice. Uh, it's very good stuff. Um, you get sort of the Mr. Freeze origin stuff playing out. Obviously, it has a lot of blues and a lot of the, the shadows and the colors. It's really, really nice stuff. There's that full page spread where he's kind of doing the, you know, on his knees, arms up, kind of stream in front of his frozen wife. Uh, it's yeah. really nice. It's a very appropriately winter issue. Oh, yeah, yeah. It even ends with some sort of Christmas spirit uh, to just, yeah. you know, set in the time frame. Uh, and you also have a bit of Matches Malone fun uh, when he's looking for Freeze. Uh, and you know, there's some nice things here. I love uh, Alfred being sassy with the, uh, oh, let, let me just spray you with some of Matches Malone's favorite cologne. Uh, I got a chuckle out of those little <laughs> little moments. Yes. Uh, so, yeah, so they track down Freeze, and yeah, he has that glorious entrance, and uh, I think Batman, look, uh, the art is actually quite good. I, I wasn't really that familiar off the top of my head with the artist, but uh, the art is quite good, I have to say. He's, he's one of those artists that I've, I've followed for a long time. Like, to the point, I've tried Rick Remender books just because of his art. I, still, I couldn't do it. Yeah, but yeah honestly... The only time I think in the whole issue I felt I felt like I didn't like a panel was uh, where Batman throws the batarang and he's sort of like bending backwards. His his body proportions look really weird to me in that panel. But other Ooh, than that, I don't know where I don't know where that is off the top of my head. It's just a couple of pages after Freeze en- enters in the tunnel for the first time. I'll go have a look. See if I can... Freeze fires his freeze gun at him and he fires a batarang back at him. He's dodging the freeze ray and he throws a batarang, but he just he's. I don't know, there's something about the... He's, he's, uh, got, he's got a bit of like a Johnny Bravo body shape going on. A little bit, yeah, he does. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's not a big deal. It's a minor quibble because the rest of the issue is yeah. fantastic. Uh, the page before that where you've got just uh, Batman in the entrance. Yeah, yeah. Or even the page oh, after with Freeze holding Batman against the wall. Uh, looks really good. So, yeah. and uh, I don't know who's on colours, but they do a, a phenomenal job because... Uh, Especially in this back half where Batman's wearing this sun suit uh, to combat the freeze stuff. Like, I don't necessarily like the design of the suit. I think it's a bit bulky and whatever. But I do like the colors. You know, the way it has the you know that that orange to contrast with the the, the blues. Uh, Stave Stewart on Archer, known. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, you've got a little segment where Batman and Robin are dressed up as Santa and an elf on a street to catch some motorcycle thieves or whatever it is, and. Just, you know, some shenanigans. Yeah. It's kind of a fun vibe to some of this issue, despite the fact that it's dealing with this sort of more serious side of Mr. Freeze. Uh, but, yeah. So, yeah, Freeze actually kind of flashbacks to, like, you know, his dying wife and her telling him to move on and not obsess over. And that's because that's who he is. And that's something she realized by the end of her life is, uh, like, that he has this obsessive personality. And maybe the marriage wouldn't have lasted forever anyway because of that. Uh, and,. And I think that's maybe why I kind of like it as well, is that that's kind of like, you know, him remembering this is what makes him start to trash the lab. It's this idea that the idea that this is true and he doesn't want to admit it is, you know, something that really eats at him uh, and he feels kind of called out by it. So, which, by the way, great panel of him walking away from the explosion. Uh, oh, yeah, so good. Yeah, especially with the blue lines in his suit, which is otherwise silhouette that kind of contrasts with the, uh, the orange of the explosion. It's really nice. Uh, so yeah, um, you know, so they go after him, some nice shots. We've got like a, a snowmobile version of the Batmobile that's got the, the treads instead of the tires. So there's a, some nice panels of that along the way. Um, 
And uh, yeah, so obviously uh, Robin ends up saving Nora whilst Batman and Freeze are fighting, which Freeze obviously appreciates. And, uh, you know, he ends up getting like caved in at one point and uh, he's sort of hunched over as Batman's standing over him. Uh, it's all big climax. It's all very beautiful and nicely drawn. Um, some Something as simple as when all the police cars show up at the end of the scene, like all the reds and blues of their lights all kind of pop. Uh, off off the page, which I really like. Um, mm. yeah, there's also a nice little joke towards the end actually, where uh, Robin says, uh, "So did you uh, rent out Alex, you know, Alex Cor, Alex Corp uh, Laboratory because you knew Mister Freeze was probably going to trash it?" And Batman's like, "New is a strong word, <laughs> but the implication that he could have used like a Wayne building, but he didn't." <laughs> yeah, yeah, just just in case. Yeah, uh, I, I thought I liked that, but uh. Freeze, because he's thankful to Robin for saving his wife, uh, whispers something to him, and it's actually some, like, cold tech that'll help, as we find out in the last page or two, ship uh, medicines around the world, and it'll help a lot of people get medicine that otherwise had to use, like, really intense freezing technology to to make it work. So it's this idea that he does a good deed uh, by the end, and actually did something that his wife would be proud of. So... You know, I think it's this idea that he's a he's a flawed person, and ultimately he still kind of like did something nice by the end, which I think still keeps some of the sympathy with the character a little bit. You know, yeah, yeah. it's a little bit less. I, I do like that ending a lot. Um, I think it's a nice touch to kind of, despite like you know, my, my reservations with the issue you know, with him kind of being more unsympathetic than usual. Mm. Um, I, I do think this. It feels like a bit of an olive branch almost to people who feel like me as to, no, no, we're keeping him as one of the more sympathetic bat villains still. I mean, I think it goes along with what you were saying earlier with uh, like her being this tether that keeps him kind of good. Uh, this idea that she inspired this good action after her death and maybe the reason why he was getting worse as she was getting sick is that the idea that she's getting weaker so her, her power mm-hmm. as being his influence of good as it was diminishing uh, as her life was like nearing its end. Yeah, it still kind of fits in with that that internal logic, I think. So, yeah. uh, no, that was pretty good for 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 being the one that I I I was not expecting to be anything I was excited about. I I ended up coming out of it really enjoying it. I enjoyed it's a slightly different spin on Mister Freeze as a character. I really liked the art. I thought the Batman, Robin, and Alfred stuff was all pretty charming and funny. Like they were very likable. I think throughout this issue with a little banter and. Definitely, yeah, we, you know, we don't see Duggan writing a lot of DC. I can't think of any, really. Yeah, um, Just something like the running gag where Robin keeps thinking he's going to get to drive the Batmobile, only to find out he's not, and then at the end, Batman's like, you can drive the Batmobile back, and he's like, yes! So, you know, it's just a nice little payoff. Yeah. No, I, I think he's got, uh, you know, Duggan's got a pretty good handle on them. Yeah. Uh, no one sounded out of place. Yeah, so, that's good. Uh, and it's not a book ends, because it starts with a snow angel image, and at the end, Mr. Freeze is in the, the Arkham like, you know, courtyard, making a snow angel. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, all very nice. Uh, so, I, I like to wait a bit, actually. So, uh, I don't think there's been a dud yet out of these. Um, no, none have been terrible. Yeah. I, I think the Riddler one's still my favourite. Uh, this could be my second favourite, though. Riddler was the Tom King one. That was the, he's a serial killer. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yes, yes, I know you didn't like it as much. Well, I, I wasn't going to say anything. I just, I, I genuinely couldn't remember which one that was. 
Uh, Two-Face was a fun continuation of Mackie's detective continuity, uh, with some big, weird Two-Face, like, swings, but still entertaining for what it was. Uh, And then the Penguin one was... Uh, was, it was okay. right. I, that's yeah. probably my least favorite. But yeah, Penguin's probably my least favorite too. Yeah, it wasn't bad, but it was kind of a a, a different take. Right, there's a lot of different takes on Penguin right now. Honestly, the the average like rating for me on this, like even if it tanks after this, like the fact that this has been as good as it's been for four issues out of the eight or whatever many it is, uh, is actually pretty good because. It could have really been a case of, well, there's one standout and then the rest are all mediocre to bad. Like, that was very yeah, much a possibility. So, uh, I think we're already, like, out ahead of feeling like the whole line's been a disappointment. The only, the only issue now could be that they've front-loaded it all with all the, the better ones, but, you know, we'll see. That can't be the case, because we've still got the McKelvey one to come. The only issue now is that they may have front-loaded with all the, all the good ones. <laughs> All right, what are you rating uh, One Bad Day, Mr. Freeze? Uh, I'm going to give it a 7.5. I think, it, objectively, it probably is higher than that. But just because of the way the, the story worked for me, or didn't specifically, kind of, it kind of brings it down a little bit. But the, the actual quality of it is quite high. Mm. I miss Matt. All the cynicism's... Uh... I'm sorry, this story didn't resonate with me. Wearing I, I on my soul, more uplifting. <laughs> I thought it was quite light and cheery, to be honest. Aside from the, the Mr. Freeze characterization, uh, I, I'm, I'm going with an eight point five. I, I really like this one, and uh, I thought it was a really nice, self-contained story that was a, an interesting take in the character, and it was really quite beautiful at times. Uh, uh, yeah, great use of shadows, especially so. Uh, that is uh, One Bad Day, Mr. Freeze. Nightwing, issue 98. Uh, Tom Taylor writing with uh, guest artist. And I appreciate that it says guest artist in the credits for this, just to make it clear. No, this is not the regular artist, and that's okay. Uh, he'll be back. But uh, we got Danielle D. Niccolo on the art for this. Uh, and probably, well, not necessarily my favorite style of art. I understand why this was the perfect fit for... Uh, Nightmate, which is what this issue is yes. mainly focusing on. First few on. pages, I was like, "Oh, this is very different." Yeah. Like, in terms of guest artists, they've often been like sticking to the same sort of profile. This is obviously very actively different. And then once he gets to, you know, Nightmate, a few pages in, you're ah, okay, this this makes sense. I forgot they announced this was going to be a thing because I probably would have guessed what the cliffhanger from last issue was had I remembered Nightwing was going to or Night Nightmate, sorry, was going to be a thing. Because when that Rick Grayson cliffhanger happened last time, I was like, what the hell is this? What's, what are you yeah. doing, Taylor? I, uh, I read two issues in a row before this, like a few days ago. Mm. And I was like, what the hell? And, and I've not really been keeping up with the solicits and the news as much. So I'm like, what have I missed? Surely uh, I'd have heard about this. Like, what's going on? I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, me and Matt both said we trust Taylor, and we're right to because obviously within like yeah, two pages, it's like, oh no, it's just it's just that imp who's you know looking like Rick Grayson for a minute, and then, and then turns into nineties Nightwing. Turns into nineties Nightwing, uh, and we get this fanboy imp who loves Nightwing, much like Mixie loves Superman, but is far more light and benevolent. Yeah, also far more fanboy esque, I would say, in a kind of a nice way, but. Uh, and there's a nice, there's a couple of nice sentiments in this actually about fandom, which uh, yeah. we'll talk about at the end of it, I think. But 
Um, I'm sure you loved the Joker, and I loved it as well, just for Babs's reaction, which is that uh, Babs is like laughing her ass off that he's got a he's got an imp, and uh, Nightmate says, "Yeah, you know, Batgirl." Wow. I mean, I ship him with Starfire, but whatever makes him happy. All I'm saying is. Nightmare mm-hmm. got taste. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, bad girl's better. But I did love her. Like, excuse me, uh, and like, like, oh, she, she probably needs to leave now before she like shove these head, these tiny and, head and, into and then we'll a. Have a a little impromptu wedding. Oh yeah, he just like makes a, a wedding. He gets everyone who would be invited like there in an instant. Uh, I, I like as well that that Dick assumes that they're all just, you know, illusions basically. Yes. It's just not, you know, idea there. And then Batman starts talking to him. And he's like. Oh shit! You're all here. You're I actually like a Batman. Starfire's yeah. front and center next to Batman. <laughs> obviously, it makes sense. Uh, you know, she's there as you know with the, with the rest of the Titans. It's it's not like just hey, let's be weird. But it's just quite funny that she's front and center after like a page or two after that conversation. Yeah, uh, and you know, I actually really like the reactions because you get the big full page spread with all the characters. But then Bab screams no, and then he's like no, and then Dick's like not yet, and then she's like. Not yet. <laughs> like, you know, there's just a little like, oh, so yeah. you see that in our future. Interesting, which obviously you do. Like, this is what this is a pet peeve, not with like writing. This is not a pet peeve for comics or movies or TV. This is a pet peeve with just people in life. <laughs> is that this idea of anyone reacting shocked when you suggest the idea that one day a couple may get married if you're in that couple or if you're talking about another couple, it's like, well, yeah, well, what, el- what else is it good? Like, that's just the natural. Like, yeah, maybe you have to say you don't want to do that, and that's fine. But it's not a weird thing to think that it may eventually go there if you stay together long enough. That's not a weird, shocking thought. No, that that, that is pretty common, I would say. It, you know, in, in, in the laws of the universe, it, when, it, when you look at the amount of married couples, yeah. you got to say, on average, uh, that, that has just, to be... It just woes me. And I, it's, it's, like, it's like turning to someone 10 minutes into a movie and going... You know, I heard this movie's got end credits. <gasps> end credits? Anyway. Um, <laughs> so. Yes. Uh, you know, and Nightmate makes fun of Batman. It says, I don't, I don't see what uh, Batmate sees in that guy. But uh, all, all good. It's all very adorable, right? All this is very adorable stuff. It is. Uh, he, he, he makes the dog talk, which I kind of hope sticks. Yes. But not like super coherent it's just kind of simple like uh good human light dick feed me kind of things this is all very simple you know dog yeah. thoughts basically <laughs> uh, also gives uh a bait wing a cape as well <laughs> yeah obviously it's a, it's a full like harness suit thing for the dog to wear he's got he's got a nightwing, nightwing outfit on not just the cape yeah so i mean you say that but nightwing doesn't wear a cape so the cape's unique to the dog True, but the way you said it sounded like just a cape. Oh, sure. It's just, I think it's the main defining part of it, though. It's a dog with a cape. I kind of noticed that. I mean, yeah, but it's, it's got the rest of a costume on as well. Yeah, Bait Mate... Uh, or, sorry. Hey, right, Bait Mate. This is so confusing because there's Bait no. Mate, Bait Wing... No, this is Night Mate. Night Mate. Oh, sorry, yes, not Bait Night. <laughs> Bait Night. <laughs> <laughs> now you're sounding like the dog. Oh, God. <laughs> Night, mate. Uh, he's got merch, which is that famous panel of Batman slapping Robin, but it's Nightwing slapping Batman instead. You know, this is just this is just Tom Taylor popping everyone. He just wants to pop everyone with these jokes. Um, 
but the whole, the whole point of this is that uh, Blockbuster made a deal with a demon and sold his soul, but he also sold the soul of one of his innocent children who is going to be attacked by demons tonight, and that's what it's all about, is that he, he needs to you know, help Nightwing in that, like, go and save her. Um, and I'm sure, I'm sure, you know, Nightwing uh, gets his sticks imbued with some imp magic and they, they glow. And he has to say, <laughs> Nightwing is awesome. Yes. But to make him work. Uh, and they, they save the girl... And it's all very nice to get Raven involved to, to help. But uh, if I have a slight, this is the slightest of nitpicks, right? Slightest. Is that. Oh, go on. Is that they bring in Raven and Raven's like, oh, you've got an imp and sort of snickers about it. I'm like, she was at the wedding scene. You saw this. You saw the imp. <laughs> this is not new information to you. Uh. I, I didn't take that as her being surprised at seeing the imp the first time. It was more just, oh, the imp's there. And she's like, oh, yeah, you've got an imp. Mm, I don't know. The reaction know. The, the reaction the panel before she says it, with them popping in next to her head, and then, I, I don't know. They, the art told me this, that, but it's fine. It's fine. It's not a big deal. Even, even if I'm right, it's not a big deal. It's just a small thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yes, so... Uh, she thanks uh, Bait Mate as well, and Night. <laughs> it's just it's become a thing now. I think this Bait Wing exists. Uh, is this infected my brain? Does Bait Wing have a mate? That that'll be Bait Mate. Uh, uh, so yeah, uh, but there's a nice little sentiment here at the end of this uh, about how you know if you're going to obsess over me and like worship me and put me on this pedestal eventually i'm not going to live up to it and it's going to just be a problem so you should never put anyone on that much of a pedestal so you know i'm a person i'm dick racing what's your name don't define yourself purely by me and there's something to be said there about people who define themselves purely by the fandom that they you know they've put themselves in and obsess over um you know so yeah, uh, no, definitely, especially as you know, like, uh, in in current culture, you know, over the last few years. Oh yeah, there's been you know plenty of examples of people maybe not living up to you know hero ideals. Not not that they ever could realistically because they're people. And that's kind of the point here. Oh, even if you look at it from like a, a fandom perspective of just like you know fiction fictitious things is you see people who just fight on social media maybe that's one of the best things of twitter and possibly uh, going down in flames is not having to put up with uh, a lot of those people anymore but you know yeah, every, where am i gonna get my entertainment everything's just a fight where as soon as you mention you like x thing fans of y thing have to start you know saying and you know anything ranging from innocent just stupid stuff to completely oh you're you're a borderline psychopath for saying something that oh uh, yeah D- don't know. worry we we can bring that into the discord we no, can make sure no, that no, transfers no, no we're not going to do that uh but yeah that in team section no that's no <laughs> so no as with a delightful issue i think uh night mate is uh, an interesting, fun little addition. I don't want them to lean on it too much, but I can see Taylor bringing them back maybe later on uh, to help out with a situation or something. But fun idea, and definitely feels like Taylor's adding a lot to the Nightwing uh, mythos. And, you know, cracking jokes about uh, Dick and Babs and even the Starfire past and uh, all all this different stuff. It's just, it's just, it's a sort of heartwarming stuff that just feels like, 
oh, he loves the character, he gets the character, and we're kind of reaping the fruit. And it's not just obsessed with fitting them into the New 52 anymore, or obsessed with, you know, making them function as a, a sub-character to Batman. It's like, no, 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 this is, this is very much a dick-focused run that's about him, and who, who's important to him, you know, as far as, like, friends and loved ones and all the rest of it goes, so. Yeah. This is also it's very much a, a fill-in issue. Right? Oh, absolutely. I don't mean that yeah. in, a, in, a, in a bad way, because it's still a very good issue. But it is very much, okay, we'll pause, take a break from the main story. Okay, can I just, we'll, we'll go do this thing, we'll let our artists have a rest, and we'll catch back up next time. Um, and I think outside of going more of the creator-owned route of just taking a break between arcs, or even throwing different teams on for, you know, random, you know, like two, three issue arcs between things, this is about as good as you can get, I think, in, you know, big two comics for having that, you know, those those breaks kind of worked in. Yeah, I I think a better phrase would probably just be a standalone issue, um, just because mm-hmm. fill-in issue has a natural negative connotation to it, because we tend to use it more when it's like, oh, it's a fill-in, <laughs> like, it feels... Because yeah. I, I think the reason why I would distinguish between them is that this feels like better planning from Taylor that he's accounted for having issues that can take a, a, a one-issue break for the artist and do something that feels narratively distinct enough. But it still feels like it's adding to the run. It still feels like a, you know, a good part of the run. Yeah. So that's why I would maybe argue against fill-in in that sense. Because uh, I feel like, I think a fill-in feels distinctly more unplanned and it's just, oh, we need something to fill the slot. As opposed to you know, a writer who's writing a run and understands that there's going to be these natural breaks and accounts for them. Because I, I would not be opposed to them trying. Hey, if if you're doing six issues, you know, let's say you, you want to keep one writer and artist as your your team for a book, which I'd love to see. Uh, so you know, when, when it collects the eventual you know omnibus of let's say this run, it would have been you know you could have just you know Taylor and Redondo and nothing else. In in that place, I, I would be down for DC trying. Hey, let's let's do complete fill in teams and not just thrown together last minute teams, but get teams that have a one, two, three issue story to tell, and kind of mm. just throw those in between arcs and let you know you, you know, do six issues of your main artist, two issues of you know a different artist and different writer entirely. So it would always feel so separate. So you wouldn't feel like you know because. Yeah, you know, this this says guest artist, but it's not guest writer. When when you get to the eventual collection, this will be included, and it'll always feel a little bit, you know, okay, this isn't you know part of the the main story because it's not the Redondo story, you know. And, and Taylor always talked about how this is his and Redondo's book, not just his. So I think it'll be just something a nice experiment for for you know some of these you know big publishers to to try and see how it works out. But on that, I would never leave it out. But this and any other oh. the, the, the books that have had a different artist, I would never leave those issues out. You absolutely could not, because they are written in a way that they are, I don't want to say essential, the, the but part they of are the, part of the story, they're part of the narrative. Part of the serialized run. Absolutely they are, yeah. So, yeah. All right, what are you rating this issue, Nightwing? Uh, I'll probably give it a, I'll give it a straight eight. I don't think it quite is above that, as fun as it is. I, I think it's just, yeah, it's a nice round eight. Hmm. I'll, I'll probably agree with that and give it a straight eight. It's just a, a good, fun, standalone issue uh, that's very sweet, has some nice ideas in it, and uh, is another good bit of characterization. Uh, so, very cool. Uh, all right. The Flash 788, uh, which is Jeremy Adams writing with Fernando Pissarin on the art. 
So, uh, just me on this one, because uh, Matt's not here. Uh, so, interesting premise here. So, so Wolf, Warden of uh, Iron Heights, is now the mayor. He's been elected the mayor of Central City, and the premise of this issue is that he has deputized the rogues to help clear up the streets of Central City. Um, which is a great page, actually, because the first page is him like talking to whoever he's talking to, and then you get a two-page spread of just the five rogues members standing there and, like, cold looking at his new badge. <laughs> uh, art art's quite good. Like, he really fits, uh, I think, the characters in this book. Uh, but obviously Linda's pregnant again, and uh, they're with Dr. Midnight and Terrific uh, to get checked up, and they're saying, yep, you're pregnant, and... This may be why Linda's got powers right now. It may not be, though. We're in uncharted territory. Who knows? Uh, but it's all very sweet and stuff. There's a really nice touch here where Wally's not quite realized that the information they've just told them and, like, Midnight and Terrific, like, they've got speech bubbles, but it's just squiggly lines in it, as if they're just trying to look busy. Because, like, uh, Midnight's, like, twiddling his thumbs, Terrific's just sort of looking down at his notepad... Uh, but it's just clearly them trying to like, oh, we need to pretend not to be here because this is like a really personal moment. Uh, but yeah, there's a, a couple of fun beasts in this though. Wally and Linda are walking down the street talking about uh, like what it was like having babies and what this is going to be like again. And Wally says, well, what kind of a world are, are we going to raise this kid in? You know, we've got the great darkness coming behind door number one and behind door number two, Captain called knocking over a jewelry store. And Linda says, come on, he hasn't done that in years. And he goes, no, I'm serious, right now. Captain Cole's knocking over a jewelry store, which is happening across the street. Uh, which leads to a really great moment where Wally comes in, takes his freeze gun away from him, and Cole says, nope, nope, I'm here. I'm, I, you let the bad guys get away. I was arresting them. Um, I'm not a bad guy anymore. And he holds up his police badge, and Wally just bursts out laughing and doesn't really believe it. And he's just like, He's bent over, holding his stomach, uh, with with hilarious. And then the rogues show up, and they say they're going to arrest the Flash because he's technically the one breaking the law, being a vigilante. So uh, we got a big fight sequence with them and Flash, uh, even though they end up messing up. Uh, Linda ends up helping to get Wally out of Dodge, and Wally's going to go and have to like find out how this happened, what's going on, what the hell's Wolf up to. Uh, and there's some fun stuff with uh, Wallace babysitting the kids uh, and them jumping about and stuff. So, no, it's a interesting time. You see, Wolf, interesting thing here is that Wolf actually has some powers right now. Um, he uh, ends up hitting, uh, was it Blacksmith, who's kind of like his assistant, and she tries to sort of say no to him because he basically he borrows a bunch of money from the mob to pay for his campaign and he wants her to go and tell them they're not getting their money back and she doesn't want to do it and he sort of like zaps her with like a like he's got electric powers or something like that and she's like wait since when do you have powers and he's basically just like we all have secrets uh and mine are mine alone so uh obviously it's something they're going to like go into more this, this is meant to be like a wait how did he get those kind of thing uh but uh Wally goes to Heatwave to try and talk to him uh, because because Heatwave had cancer and Wally kind of helped him out. He goes to him as kind of the sympathetic one. Uh, but Heatwave was expecting this. The rogues show up. Uh, they mention that Wolf not only has some powers now, but he seemingly has cured Heatwave. So 
he's definitely messing around with something. Uh, whether it's like technology or like supernatural shit, I don't know. But uh, Wolves making a lot of big plays and he's using it to get ahead. Uh, another fun action scene here though, where Captain Cold freezes the rooftop that Wally's running on when he's trying to get away, and he ends up slipping over the edge of the building and falls down uh, to the ground. It's a really fun little sequence, actually. And it's right after he's looked up at the clouds and saw, like, lightning and stuff. So he's like, oh, shit, Weather Wizard's doing his thing. So he kind of has to, uh, like, try and get away, and then he slips in the ice. There's a nice sequence of, uh, of events uh, in both the fight scenes that Flash has with the rogues. It's also nice, because I feel like... I don't know if there's been a lot of Flash versus the rogues in this Wally run until now. So it's kind of nice to have them back. It's a kind of a different context to have them in as well. Uh, and it kind of fits in with this general theme of Wolf using a lot of the people who would normally be in Iron Heights uh, to be working for him, which, you know, can only make him look villainous. Uh, the end of the issue, though, is that uh, Pied Piper shows up at the end and says, looks like you need a help, or need a hand, Flash. And, uh, yeah, so it's the return of Pied Piper uh, as, the, as the cliffhanger. Um, solid fun time. There's heartwarming moments with Wally and Linda. Uh, I think the art's really good with uh, Pissarin. I think he draws a really good set of rogues and a lot of the expressions and stuff uh, between like when the rogues get their badges and their reaction to that, Wally laughing his ass off when he sees that they have a badge. Um, all that stuff is is pretty entertaining and just genuinely looks quite good. Uh, some of the action sequences have some really fun segments in them. Um, I think it's a really nice looking comic overall. It's kind of like a, the best end of like a house style if you will where it's not a particularly stylish shirt stands out but it's just really nice and i really like the uh the heavy shadows and inks that are on there it's very bright and vivid and colorful but it's it was not afraid to have the uh the shading and like the face and all that stuff so no uh really good stuff uh i'm liking that we're kind of doing like a, a fresh arc and we've been building up to wolf been up to something where he's running for mirror for a little while now uh, I'm glad we're away from, like, you know, traveling to, you know, Eclipso's, like, Gem World stuff and all that that was a while ago. Um, it feels like a proper... Yeah, it feels like this book has a lot of continuity now with itself that it's built up over time, and we're really just having fun now with a lot of the elements that it's, that it's set up. Uh, so, um, I'm happy to give this... Um... Yeah, I'd probably go as high as an 8 on this. Uh, I'm really enjoying this Flash run, the more it's been on. So... Uh... There we go. That is, uh... That's that. Uh, and then, next up, Batman Superman World's Finest, issue 9, Mark Wade writing with Dan Mora on the art. So, we have Boy Thunder, the Superman sidekick that's been introduced for the last couple issues. Uh, I don't know if you have any general thoughts on this, this arc before this issue. I'm liking the arc more than I did the, uh, the Nezha stuff. Mm-hmm. Overall, not super keen on Boy Thunder as a character just yet. It, it, it feels very much like he's there for the other characters to have a lesson to learn, right? Yeah, as opposed yeah. to being a character in his own right. It feels like he's probably going to be dead or gone in some way by the end of the story, or a villain, or a villain. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so no, obviously Mora's arts he was gorgeous. You know, Batman sneaking up behind. Uh, you got this. You know. Rat catcher stuff. Uh, the rats yeah, look great. That page with all the rats, like on the top panel, is phenomenal. Yeah, with them screaming. No, that's good stuff. So it's this idea that uh, Boy Thunder goes a little bit too far 
um and he has to learn although i do a lot I, just because i'm on the joker page because i'm just uh going through it as i'm talking um the, the the front cover with joker saying you know oh a new sidekick as he's holding a crowbar <laughs> I, I actually think that's quite funny yeah yeah it is <laughs> i don't know it just that appeals to me um so joker's working with the key he's uh got something from the angler uh which has its own little joke in it as well, because he's like, oh, did you get it willingly? Yeah, not quite. And like, the guy's hands just, like, dangling Coming from... Off. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, I, I like uh, Wade's voice for uh, Joker. It's a very, you know, Silver Age animated series style Joker, you know. It is, not- I mean, uh, it, it's very much uh, an animated series take on it as well. Yeah. On the, like, I can hear... Hamilton, a lot of these lines. And I don't know if part of that is is more... Uh, it's not in the face, but the way more opposes the Joker feels very much from that. Like, if, if you look sure. at... It's right after he's messing with the finger. Uh, he's prizing the hand off. It's the panel underneath where he's just, you know, bowing down very slightly. That feels straight out of, like, animated series Joker. The, yeah. The posing. Yeah, no. Uh... uh... Superman's talking to Barry about for some advice on training a superpowered sidekick because he has experience in that. Uh, yep. Which I, I thought was a nice touch. And uh, they're dealing with stuff, and it turns out that uh, there's these like uh, pirates on this ship. And Superman ends up saying, "No, we can just stay back because I think you know, basically implying that he sees that someone else is already dealing with it." And we see Aqualad, and then we see the rest of the Titans, and it's just a Titans thing. And uh, David Boy Thunder is there again. And he's joking around with them, and everything's going quite nice uh, until there's one pirate left that takes some shots at Aqualad, and he immediately powers up, and is probably going to completely fry this pirate if Superman didn't step in, uh, and so he uses his stern voice. Uh, my favorite thing about this whole issue might actually be Dick whispering, saying, "I know you can hear me, Superman. Don't do this in front of his friends." It's I- that, or and. Well, that's the more serious point. That is obviously the best part. Yes. I kind of really love the bit at the, bit at the very bottom with Dick just shoving Roy and you just oh, see yeah, the, the arrows yeah. come flying out the quiver just off off panel like that. Well, yeah. th- this follows on nicely from the previous couple of pages where Roy's basically given David all the wrong advice. Where he's like, no, nah, use your anger, you know, hit harder back. Like he's giving him all the wrong advice. That's like the opposite of what Superman's been telling him. Uh, so having Dick just shove him, it's like, yeah, he's a chump. He deserves it. <laughs> Basically. Yeah, like I think it's interesting because Roy's fine at first, where because because uh, he he just burns the guy's hand, and they're like, "Do you really need to burn him? Can you not just do a flame blast to scare him?" It's like, "Yes, on a ship of oil, that'll go down well." <laughs> I, I kind of feel like he made the right choice that like a burnt hand is not excessive, unreasonable force. I I, I don't think I think you know Batman on a daily basis does just as bad. Yeah, like that's something that'll yeah it'll hurt, but that'll heal. It's not gonna, he's not crippling him for life or anything like that. But I also think Superman. Would, I think Superman would always like burn like the gun, so the gun's too hot to hold, or, or something like that. It would always be, Probably, yeah. you know, so you know that's kind of the, the difference, I guess. Um, but yeah, but I, I love I love Dick sort of doing this because it, it, one I love that it's like Dick's very much the leader of the Teen Titans. And I love this idea that, look, he's been getting on well with us. Don't embarrass him, right? Take him away and like give him the stern talking to that we all know he needs, right? Like the Titans are all very clearly know that he's what talk they're yeah. about to go and have. But, 
you know so i, I really like that i that was a great character moment for dick and it was just an example of like wade just like he understands these characters like in such a a great way so i uh, really loved that um uh, the big revelation from david is that he admits that he is in some way to blame for his parents demise that he actually that the parents were building a ship in advance and he didn't really believe that it was necessary so he ended up playing some practical jokes and it ended up destroying the ship so they only had time to build a small one for him to escape so he feels responsible for the death of his parents which you know uh... I, I will say this is probably my biggest problem with this issue from a like an actual writing structural standpoint mm. i don't like how we don't get superman's response to any of this there's no reaction here it just cuts to a different scene at the end of this uh, that's probably fair like i know it gets interrupted like, but the like the way it cuts to, and it cuts to Gotham. It it feels really jarring, and it feels like, it, even if there's just a panel of Superman in silence that, yeah, before he can react, but and then it interrupts. I think that's basically moment. all it is: is one panel of his face. Like that's all that's missing because it makes sense that you cut to like the crisis is about to interrupt him. Like, it makes sense to cut to that pretty quickly. It's just one panel of Superman reacting. Do you know, do you know what I think it is? If you go two pages in, you can actually see Superman starting to react, and then he's reacting then because he's hearing mm. the stuff in Gotham. I think you need that panel before you cut to Gotham to see what's happening. Yeah. Uh, so basically, there's a giant door in Gotham that's just in the middle of the street, right? But it's obviously like a magic door because when it opens, it's like a portal to the bottom of the Gotham River, so all this water starts flooding the streets. Uh, so obviously Batman's already there, Superman is called in, and they're just saving people. Um, but we find out from Joker and Key up top that this is just a distraction, so we don't know what their goal actually is yet. Um, but the you know, so some great pages here of uh, like you know the water and the city, the cars floating in the water, Batman's on top of a car. Um, Superman tries to reverse the 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 spread of the water by doing like a, a vortex in the water on the other side. Uh, and then Batman closes the door. Um, I'm not entirely sure why, other than just sort of banging it to make it close, this works. But it is a pretty cool little sequence of like him driving the Batmobile like up and all, like, off a piece of rock or whatever. So he goes flying and just hits the top of the door, which makes it shut. Uh, it's a fun sequence. Very Hot Wheels-esque. <laughs> yeah, it, it looks great. And any excuse for Mora to draw a cool action sequence is, I think, the logic as to why this works. Very possibly. Uh, but another little door, port, or little portal door opens uh, just in the last page, and the Joker grabs David through this portal. So they've effectively kidnapped Boy Thunder, and the last page, David's like laughing, you know, as if he's just been dosed with the, the Joker gas, and that's your cliffhanger for uh, next yeah. time. I actually really like how terrifying Joker's looks. Just when it's it's when you can just see the smile mm-hmm. in the silhouette. Um, that's a great little panel. Oh yeah, I mean it looks great throughout. Like I don't think there's a bad panel in the whole book. No, uh, the action's great, the expressions are great, the coloring's fantastic, and you have just you know these wonderful scenarios where you get to have these you know big you know flooding the streets moments, or you know whatever the other panels might be. There's there's a nice variety of different scenarios and locations to be in. Yeah. Um, so it's all very good. Yeah, uh, you've got the dark and spooky opening with all the rats, uh, which looks great. So, yeah, very little to complain about. I, I'm enjoying the, the arc, and I'm in, like, like, you know, David himself might feel like a guest star for the sake of having the story, but I do think 
all these other characters are having really good moments and how they handle them. Yes. And that's kind of where the, the meat of it is. So, because... Uh, yeah. Uh, I think, like I said, I'm enjoying it more than the first arc so far. Yeah. Not that I thought the first arc was terrible, by any means. Hmm. Yeah, it's good stuff. So, all right, what are you giving uh, World's Finest issue nine? Um, I'm probably going to give it an eight. I don't think it's quite at the 8.5, but it's close. Yeah, I think I will go the eight point five. I, th- I think I'm only go up there. I think the, the sp- I think the great character moments and then the spectacular art just kind of push it up there for me. Uh, so yeah. there we go. That's uh, world's finest issue nine. Star Girl, the Lost Children issue one. So this is the six issue mini uh, that is going alongside the actual GSA book that's starting. Uh, is that this month or next month? Whenever that's starting. Uh, so yeah, we got Jeff Johns writing and uh, Todd Nuck on the on the art uh so th- there is a reference in this you know the editor's note about the spring break special which i'm sure did lead into this well enough but luckily it doesn't really matter that much i think it reads quite well even if you don't remember a single thing about it <laughs> it, it just it sets up things well enough in the the book that you, you just get what's going on uh the only yeah. thing you know need to know is that uh courtney and uh red arrow are, are looking for uh, this 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 golden age sidekick hero named Wings, uh, so there you go. That's all you need to know. Uh, but yeah, so this is an interesting uh, story. You got some old school looking art talking about how um, this guess what Dynamite Dan, who was the sidekick to TNT, was the the first like sidekick to a hero. Have their mentor die. Have their, he, sorry, yeah. yeah. Have their mentor die. That was the specific thing, yeah. Yeah, so it wasn't the first sidekick, but it yeah. was the first one to be quote-unquote orphaned. Yeah, I, I liked a lot of this first scene, actually. The uh, like the, the goofy mask that the bank robbers were wearing felt very old school, so it was a nice little touch. Yeah. Uh, I thought that was cool, kind of cool. Um, the action, the old school 1930s style cars, like, you know, all, all of it just looked really nice and kind of fit the theme of what it was going for. Um it reminded me of like uh, when you're reading Watchmen and you get like the the flashbacks or whatever to the like the Golden Age Minutemen stuff kind of thing. Oh yeah, I see what you're going with. Uh, so yeah, but we get this, you know, the older version. This guy's all grown up now. He's an old man. Uh, six months ago, and he's looking into like disappearance. We get we get more context for this later. Uh, when the girls go to his place, but you know, uh, that, that's kind of like who we're interested. To. But then we get you know Courtney. And we get her just, and it's a nice page. This is a really good page, actually. They're just kind of like, okay, if you don't know who Stargirl is, this is the first time you're reading Stargirl. Here's like a a brief history. Yeah, it's a bit dense. You know, there's there's a lot of text on this one page. Mm-hmm. But I will forgive it as being a, a necessary evil on issue one of the miniseries. Yeah, yeah, I, I get the reason for it. But then from there on, you get right into kind of the... There's actually a joke here that I really liked where... Uh, Courtney's mom's complaining that she's only the only thing she's washed in the last month was uh her her costume, and she mentions that she got dirty fighting Grundy, and she goes, "When did you fight Solemn Grundy?" And she's like, "Uh, a Monday." Monday. I thought that was quite funny. Yeah, yeah. It's, like, it's always it's always on a Monday. <laughs> uh, I, I got a, I got a kick out of that, but uh, yeah. So she's been told basically, you need to do better in school. You've been doing terrible. Stop hanging around with Emmy. Uh, and I like the Emmys in this because it's like, oh, we've not seen Emmy too much in a while. Uh, yeah, they make nice. a nice pairing. But of course, Emmy shows up at a window that night and says, "No, we have to go look for Wings." Even though Pat's like adamant, Wings is dead. 
He died during this big fight years ago. He's been buried and everything. Come on, like, leave this alone. But Emmy shows up and says, no, let's go, come on. We're like crime fighters and shit. Let's go do this. Uh, she complains about Oliver a little bit, which was, you know, nice callback to that early Rebirth run that we all liked from Green Arrow. Yep. Um, but uh, yeah, of course she's talked into it and they go. Um, uh, we get a title page with the credits here about two-thirds through the issue. It's a really weird place, but, you know, I guess it's just where it fit. So. It was bang on halfway, actually. Was it bang on halfway? Oh, fair enough. Almost. It, it, felt, just it, it felt later than that, but that's fair enough. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so they go to this, uh, you know, TN, not TNT, uh, Dynamite Dan's uh, house and find all of his old photos. And Courtney notes, wait a minute, like, who are all these characters? Like, all these sidekicks that we're talking about here. I know everything about this era because I've, you know, I'm obsessed with it. You know, I took over. She's a nerd. Yeah, it's Sylvester Pembleton stuff. Um, and it's like, yeah, but I know none of these characters. Like, you know, you're mentioning your pitcher and uh, like this, the son of uh, Alan, you know, Alan Grant, Jay Garrick, Alan Grant, Alan Grant's a uh, Jurassic Park character. <laughs> why, I don't know why my mind went there. Um, so you know, but all these other new characters that are getting introduced for this for for the purpose of this that have been erased somehow from history that they're going to be looking into. Um, so. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, we, we get them looking into this, and it's like, okay, clearly there was research done by Dynamite Dan that's led to this island in the water, and they're like, shit, we have to go there. But before they leave, they get this weird instance where someone's talking over the radio. Someone's talking to Danny, who's the, you know, Dynamite Dan. Um, it's like it's, it's coming through the static, and they're not quite sure what it is, and then the radio explodes. So it's like, okay, there's like a sort of mystery element okay. going on here. Pretty extreme. Oh, of course, yeah. So, uh, why, why not? Just a little exploding radios. It's all casual. Yeah, I love how uh, Emmy mentions the Arrow Cave, and Courtney's like, "Wait, what?" <laughs> but yeah, yeah. But, still, still, they just need to rename it. Yeah, I hate Arrow Cave. I, Every I time I too. see it, I'm like, "Stupid!" Call it the Quiver. The Quiver, yeah, it's way better. Makes more sense. Um, so yeah, we see that. Yeah, Dynamite Dan, old old age Dynamite Dan, did go out here, and he's on a boat. It, it looks like he's going towards Skull Island. That's what it makes me think of. <laughs> yeah, I can see it. Because he's like, because oh, it, it, it's the island, right? And you get all this, like, you know, rough water in front of all these craggy rocks. It just looks very much like Skull Island. To it, me. it reminds me of the uh, the first of the recent Tomb Raider games, like the start of that. Oh, sure, yeah, yeah. Well, that you know, storm on the boat, you know, with the shipwreck on this island. It, it's a very similar setting again. Yeah, uh, so uh, obviously the ship uh, meets some, you know, rough water. He gets flipped over. The ship's filled with water. He dives for his ring, which is the ring that him and, you know, his uh, superhero body had when they were younger. And he gets washed ashore. He lands on the beach and he looks down at his hand. He's like, wait, my hand looks different. And then the big twist at the end of this issue is that he's back to being the age he was when he was the sidekick. Uh, but you hear a voice off, off panel say, you're cursed. You shouldn't have come back here, Mr. Dunbar. So, uh, yeah, obviously there's going to be stuff. And then there's a, a scream in the lightning. As, as oh, the of course, one. yes. Which is probably his, but, you know. It's, it's definitely the implication. Yeah. yeah. So, very curious. Uh, I will say, between this and the Golden Age, I mean, I don't know how you felt about that yet, but uh, I quite liked it. It felt, uh, it's like he's doing a GSA story in the Stale of the Doomsday Clock. Uh, not as good as Doomsday Clock, 
Well, it's not yet anyway. I, I did read it, obviously, because I wasn't yeah. mad at you for making me read it. Not well for making me read it, but making me read it before this. Yeah. Um, I thought it was fine. Um, Why am I surprised? <laughs> again, I've been very cynical about John's coming about JSA, and it, it to me it felt like it was very much a. So the thing we always talk about with JSA and and especially you know John's run is the the legacy angle, and obviously legacy has been a big part of John's kind of stuff, especially even rebirth onwards of like hey let's bring it all back. It felt very very much like a hey you like legacy I got a story about legacy, and and to an extent this this I have a similar feeling about this as well where. Uh, you know, with, with the way it's looking at the sidekicks and, you know, the opening of this, you know, it's talking about how, oh, you know, we, we didn't think about legacy. We, we we were just sidekicks. You know, we didn't think about legacy until after me because I was the first one that was orphaned. It it, it feels a little bit one note to me right now. Ah, uh, no, it's kind of what I like about it is I felt that voice again. It has been so long since we've had that voice that I, 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 I felt a lot out of this as I was reading that. I I enjoy discovering more about these characters and the sort of the curiosity of our main two leads who are looking into it. I, I like the uh, the interactions between uh, Courtney and Emmy. I do like those two uh, quite a lot. I think they uh, they play play off each other well, and I would like more of those. Mm. I, I assume you're going to get a lot more over the course of this six issues. I, I hope so. Yeah, yeah. But I, I mean, long term, not, yeah, not sure. just for these six issues. It wouldn't surprise me if there's something planned for after this in the, the GSA book. If John's is starting a line of things, then maybe, you know, yeah. you'll, get, you'll get a different mini or two afterwards. But, um, yeah, I, I enjoyed this issue. And I think, I don't know if I enjoyed it as much as the, the Golden Age one shot. So, but that's okay. Uh, not, not all have to be equal or anything like that. But I um. I, I think I, I like the sense of mystery. I like the sense of... Uh, Again, the mischief of Courtney getting up to stuff, even though it's pretty much just Courtney's MO at this point. Uh, like she's not making it back for her classes the next day, even though she promised. Of course, yeah, she's not. not. She's getting on a boat. <laughs> she's going to an island. Pretty much, yeah. So, you know, um, I don't believe that for a second. Um, but I, I think you know maybe this will this you know, thematic will tie in with her as the story goes on about um, devoting herself just to being the superhero as opposed to like making sure her like because I mean. Dynamite Dan here, it looks like he left, lived a pretty sad life because he was still kind of just focused on who he used to be as, as the sidekick, as opposed to, you know, uh, being happy in other ways. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. And that's pretty good, I think, for the most part. Uh, like I say, I really like the old school style that's in the sort of the flashback section for the Golden Age stuff. Um, and... Yeah, yeah uh, I think a lot of that is down to the uh, strong colouring. That's fair. Because uh, I think the art is... I wouldn't say the, the, the pencils, they're still good. They're very good in, in, in both sections. I don't think the pencils are that drastically different section to section, though. I think it's mainly oh, sure. the uh, the kind of newspaper-style colours kind of that's giving it that feeling and, and doing a great job with it. Yeah, yeah. I, I do think the, uh, like, you know, the, the faces are very expressive, I think. Uh, they're made, they're they're viewing a little anime at times, but nothing that's too distressing to me. Yeah, you know, Corny has those big eyes sometimes that I kind of associate with the. With, yeah, with, I would. I would not have 
The only character at any point in this I feel looks even remotely anime mm-hmm. would be um, her mom. There's like one or two panels. Sure. Where, uh, you know, in that conversation in the in the kitchen at the start, that she looks a bit anime. I never felt it with Courtney, despite the uh, the bigger eyes. Fair enough, fair enough. Um, so yeah, no, I had a good time. Uh, I'm definitely in for the uh, the book. I mean, I was hoping I would be. I remember reading that Stargirl Spring Break. I don't really remember what was in the book, but I remember reading that and thinking it felt weird. And obviously it was setting up more to come, but it was like, when's that going to And clearly, now is the we, time. We were expecting it sooner than this, I think. Yeah. But, you know... I think now that I get to settle in knowing that we're getting a full miniseries uh, and it feels like there's a full story to tell. Like, I enjoyed this a lot more than I did that, certainly. Uh, yeah, it's a lot easier to get invested in something that's yeah. not just a... You know, th- th- there is more to come, presumably next month, not just at some ethereal point in the future. That well, so it, may- may- Maybe next month, maybe next year. They've been solicited for the next three months, so, you know, we expect yeah. them. Uh, so... I-, I wouldn't be surprised if they're all finished and maybe if... Uh, they insisted that they they wouldn't publish it until it was all done. Maybe because given of John's schedule. Maybe because of Doomsday Clock, they waited till it was all finished. Very possibly. Yeah, Doomsday Clock, and, and obviously he had some problems on uh, the Shazam book as well. After after, after, after Doomsday Clock, I think it was. I think it overlapped, but yeah, it was. Yeah, what's that? I yeah, again, I do think his schedule is changing dramatically because of you know, the show he's running being cancelled, uh, but obviously that's only just yeah. happened now, and he was probably already writing this before, so there's a good chance that he did write all of it. But I wouldn't be surprised if that show being cancelled meaning mean, ends up meaning that he ends up having more comic projects after these. It's very possible, yeah. Uh, so we'll see. Uh, but, no, this was a good first issue, and I, I liked having that, that voice back again. It felt like there was this sort of this aura of like really respecting history, even though the history here is new, because it's these new characters that have been kind of erased, you know, seemingly. It, there's still kind of that magic to like discovering them. I think that Johns is very good at doing, even though they're not actual legacy characters. So I enjoyed hearing that voice again, which was nice. Uh, all right, what are you rating, uh, Star Girl: The Lost Children, issue one? Ooh, I'm gonna give it a, I'm gonna give it a six. I think it's it's okay. It's it's pretty decent i like courtney and emmy together mm-hmm. uh, i'm not too big on the overall plot so far it feels a little a little bit cynical about that but i uh, we'll see where it goes yeah. well the cliffhanger is quite interesting you'll see uh what yeah. happens with this this island um all right oh and i'll, I'll give it a i like a straight eight for me i quite enjoyed it so uh I've had a pretty good week so far, in all honesty. Mm. Uh, even though this was John's, I still thought it was a chance it would be disappointing, and I wasn't expecting uh, One Bad Day to be as good this time, but both of them hitting uh, respectable levels uh, left me feeling that quite helps. good. Yeah. Yeah. All right, GCPD, The Blue Wall, issue two, John Ridley writing with Stefano Raphael on the art. So uh, this is the story following three rookie cops uh, in Gotham who just graduated the academy and a bit of Renee Montoya as well as the commissioner uh first issue focused mainly on Park who was heralded a hero for not shooting someone who didn't deserve it but then it turned out by the end it was revealed to everyone that she just kind of choked because she's presented with a situation where she probably should take the shot and still doesn't and a civilian gets hurt because of it um 
Although this issue focuses a bit more on Wells, who's the parole officer of the three, uh, and some of his uh, happenings. Although we get a little bit of all of them, but he, if she was definitely the focus of issue one. Wells is definitely more the focus of issue two. Um, I would I, expect we rotate through to the next one after. Yeah, I would. I would expect. Yeah, uh, the third guy, uh, whose name is Danny. something you'll learn in issue three. It's Danny. Yeah. Okay. I had a page up to help, to be fair, but uh, it's hard to remember normal people names in comic books. <laughs> it is. You, you get there eventually. Yeah, alright. So, I, uh, since you read this, I assume you also liked issue one. I did. Um, I didn't really know what to expect, and I've got a history of not loving Ridley's books. Not hating them, but not loving them for the most part. So I was a bit you know, cautious uh, going in, but I thought, eh, I'll try it. Um, I was not expecting it to be a spiritual successor to Gotham Central, which is, for all intents and purposes, what it is. I mean, it doesn't even reference it directly continuity-wise. It references it, yeah, with Montoya. I, I would but say... more just the feeling of it, of it following the cops and the, you know, day-to-day stuff. This this is a, a slight different angle on, on following, you know, their, their first month on the job. But. Yeah, I'd say it feels distinct enough because it's following three brand new cops and it's them having their noble intentions kind of stamped out of them with the system and it is, but the harsh this, realities. It very much feels like this could have been a six-issue mini sequel to Gotham Central focusing on some new cops in the department. Like If, if, this, if this had been branded Gotham Central, uh, then something to do with you know, Gotham Central, the rookies, for example, I don't think you'd have thought twice about it. No, probably not. But at the same time, I understand why it is something different, though. Yeah. And I, I think it does have that that core focus, that kind of Serpico style. We have these new cops who want to do the best that they can do, but they all immediately get hit with these brick walls of like, here's the harsh reality of dealing with certain people. Because in this case, you've got both the the like how difficult it is dealing with certain people that this parole officer uh, Wells is is dealing with. Because you know the the guy who uh, ended up, you know, committing the crime at the end of the first issue was one of his parolees, and that's the one who Park didn't shoot at, at the end of the issue. So he feels this guilt because he tried to say he believed in him and gave him all these pep talks, and he still ended up doing this, which, you know, clouds him enough that even though he doesn't want to be someone who just, like, intimidates and, like, yells at the next guy, he ends up kind of doing it at an inopportune moment. Because he's been told again by his superior that no, the only thing these people understand is fear. So you've got to yell at them. You've got to like you know, let less carrot more stick, like, and play it by the book. You know, yeah. the guys you know, talking about how oh, he, he's heard these things, and it's like you know you can't be in contact with any of them. I'll, I'll pretend I didn't hear it this one time, but you tell me that again, and I'm gonna you know take you in essentially. You know, he's, he's playing it really strict. Yeah, and the sad part of it is that the scene in question, that's this parolee that he's talking to was actually coming to him thinking he could speak to him like a human being because he had been so nice before. And then this like, conversation and being like, you know, barked at by him for potentially making this mistake is what leads him to doing what he does, which is effectively suicide by... Because uh, I know some people say suicide by cops by like showing up with a gun and because they know they'll get shot for it. This was kind of like that, but with a guy instead. <laughs> uh, yeah, he a- actively tips off his old gang, you know, the, the cops about his old gang police. Yeah. 
this robbery. But and, no, uh, he knows that they'll know it was him, so they'll come and kill him. And he sort yeah, of does he doesn't that. show up, obviously, yeah. so he's not there to, to get caught. So obviously they're going to assume it was him. Yeah, and he's taking out a life insurance to set up his girlfriend for life. Uh, because it's the only way he feels like he can make money. Very heavily pregnant girlfriend. Yes. So, you know, it's, it's hitting a lot of things here. It's hitting at the system, the idea. It's brought up multiple times in this issue that people who are on parole have trouble getting jobs because people typically don't want to hire ex-cons because they don't mm-hmm. see them as trustworthy, which is understandable to a point. You understand why people might naturally feel that way, but it's obviously a problem because, well, they have to do something, and if they don't get a job, then they may eventually feel the need to turn back to crime because the the, the straight and narrow is not working for them. Um, yeah. And that was something I noticed as well, is when wells was over at his house the first time when he's been nicer to him um he keeps saying you know i believe in you you just have to work hard at it he never actually offers any specific bits of advice he just sort of generally says oh it'll work out eventually you just have to keep at it i think at this point this guy needs like a concrete idea like to give him something that he can go do right now to make him feel active but this is i think interesting where this this is him showing how green he is at the job where Mm. It's not a case of him just ah, uh, you know, rolling out the platitudes. He doesn't have any contacts yet. He doesn't have any specific advice that he can give because he's not. Yeah, he's he's not been through any of this yet. He's not figured out okay where. Like I'm, I'm assuming you know later in the career, you know they, they know all right which companies will have policies that hire ex cons because you know a lot of them do. He you know, but he probably doesn't have a a list yet of okay which ones do does he know treats them well. Yeah, yeah. It, just, it was something that stuck out to me because it was obviously very well intentioned, but I'm like, you're not really giving this guy any really concrete options here other than just, you know, keep at it. Yeah, just, just, just stick with it. Keep going. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I thought that was an interesting... So it was, it was kind of analysing, like, even his mistakes before he, he's given the bad advice from the other cop, which leads to this nasty outcome by the end. Um, and obviously at the same time you have Park, who's feeling diminished and feeling like, you know she's been kind of chewed up and like this is the thing they question because they have this sort of running thing that i'm sure is going to be a some, something we do in every issue which is the three of them getting together at a diner and like yeah. complaining about the problems that's clearly going to be a running thing and i really like it as a as a storytelling device um but there, there's some one of the others but says yeah but what if Montoya is just part of the machine and like you know you respect her and all that but she's kind of throwing you under the bus here and not protect sticking up for you but we actually see in Montoya's scenes that she does kind of say hey this is also on us for like glorifying her and putting her in front of the press, and we never asked her because we didn't want to know why she didn't take that shot. Uh, so it kind of does this thing where it's analyzing the problems with the system, the mistakes that you can make when you're new to it, but then why things get worse because the people who are jaded who are in the system just tell you to do it this way because that's the way that's always worked for for them because they don't care yeah. anymore. And uh, it's a really interesting look at what's wrong with the system. I think it's interesting, you know, you said there, you know, this is what works for them. I think that that's not what Montoya did, though, because yeah. she didn't ask the question, but it's because she's like, you know, she talks about how, you know, okay, she should have asked that question. She kind of just didn't think about it because it was it was great. Here's an example of what we're doing differently. It's it's not a case of being entrenched in the system of what's working for them. It's a case of, oh, this this is good. This is different. We can use this. It's attempting to do something differently. But not actually looking into how it works, and not, you know, not actually thinking through the details. It's more just having an idea and running with it. And and when when she's at the top, that's just as dangerous as you know, just sticking to the same thing as always. Yeah, so it's kind of interesting looking at all this. Obviously, it's setting up the two faces behind the gang thing that was happening, and 
that obviously like personal for, for Montoya. Yeah, Montoya, you know, that's why it references in the editor's note, uh, you know, what happened with Two Face. And she's still freaking I actually really like the scene with her and her brother and her brother's wife, I assume, was the other character in the scene. Uh giving her the goldfish? Yeah, saying that it's therapeutic and all that. Uh you can get a yeah. lot of affection from a goldfish, which I don't believe. Um I'm with not, Montoya not on this. Yeah. yeah. That goldfish barely knows you exist. I'm just gonna, yeah. <laughs> I'm just gonna say it. So I think those personal touch. I think that's really neat because obviously having Montoya be the person in charge, I think naturally, in a story where it would be very easy to villainize anyone who's not our three rookie cops because they're the ones who want to do good and change things, it'd be very easy to villainize anyone up the chain. But by having Montoya be the one at the top of the chain, which is obviously nicely in continuity because she is the commissioner right now, is that we already naturally like her. We naturally care about Montoya because she's an established character. And obviously it reaffirms that by showing her that she does have doubts, that she is struggling with, you know, uh, being a recovering alcoholic and dealing with her past with Two-Face and struggling with these decisions she's making and why she made a mistake and not asking the question that she should have asked uh, when Park didn't take the shot and so on and so on. Uh, But it naturally means that, okay, we have someone at the top that we can also sympathize with and we can sort of see from both ends of the spectrum why this system's not working and where these mistakes are happening and why things are falling through. Um, so, you know, it's very it's very interesting. Obviously, in the third rookie cop, he's dealing with racism, um, particularly ignorant racism because they keep talking, they're cracking jokes about his family being illegal immigrants and he's like, I'm Puerto Rican, which is part of the, the, the US. Like, they're, they're not, <laughs> like, yeah. like, they were but already citizens. Don't know or don't care. Yeah. Or both. Uh, so you've got that kind of at play and he's got a scene with his parents where they're like, yeah, we kind of try to shelter you as best we could so you didn't have to suffer the racism, but maybe we sheltered you too much because you're kind of, you're not really taken to heart, like, the fact that... just kind of defending them a little bit, like, not defending them saying that, that, oh, yeah, this is fine, you know, this is all good, but more just, ah, this is what they do, this is how they are, like, just accepting that it's institutionalized and thinking that it's okay. Yeah, basically, just sugarcoating the status quo and like reaffirming yeah. it by not standing against it, kind of thing. Uh, and obviously, you understand why that's hard because if he stands up against it, then he's the asshole to them for for causing a ruckus and not playing by their rules. Yeah, uh, and he'll be villainized for that amongst everyone else. Um, which you know, in a way, you know, makes you think back to like uh, even Batman Year One and like Gordon being the one cop who wanted to do things properly, and you know, doesn't you know. doesn't last long. No, no, no. Even even for Gordon. So, uh, but that's in this case though, we have like a whole generation potentially of new cops that maybe want to do better and change the system, and maybe that's you know Montoya who has paved the way by being this better cop her entire career in a time that when it was rougher and harder to do so, maybe. Maybe she'll realize she has some young people under her, you know, command that can help her forge whatever this new path, which may be the, the ultimate end goal of the book, is kind of like that realization. But, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, so I, I do like what this is hitting, though, with all these characters and like all the different aspects of law enforcement they're kind of hitting on and like where these different parts of the system, you know, like Park's dealing with the idea of shooting suspects and the idea that the other cops are like, no, just shoot and don't worry about it. You know, we'll, we'll deal later if it was the right choice or not. Yeah. Sh- you know, shoot first, ask questions later kind of thing. Uh, and then the parole officer is a very specific, different way of looking at the, the, the after someone's been through the system. So, Yeah. Uh, but even like in the earlier part of, of Historian, this is you, the, the, the kind of the one like 
training him, kind of, you know, like assessing how he's doing. Yeah. Uh, they, they come out of that first meeting uh, with the, the couple, and he's like, nah, you, you're being too nice. you know, you, you, you got to do it this way. This yeah. is the only way that works. And, and again, it, it's showing how, you, how how the system is, you know, in place already and, and where those problems are. Yeah, and he's quite happy to say, I told you so, and things like that, because the other guy ended up shooting someone. You know, there's, there's just a lot of that stuff. And I, I want to point out as well, the, the scene where they sort of, the, the other parolee who sort of ratted in on his, uh, and I hate using that word because I, I don't see it as ratting, like, but, um, but you know, he, he turned these, uh, the gang in and he waits for this, you know, up in the park bench for, like, the guy to come and get him. Like, I think that's a really well-handled page. Like, the way it sort of just, he, the gun's behind his head and then you get the blam and then the wide shot at the bottom panel. Mm. I, I think it's just fra- paced really well. Um, it's all uh, good stuff. Um, so, no, it's really well told. It's really good drama. And much like a lot of these, like, less superhero-style books, the art has to be good with faces. Otherwise, it's going to be a nightmare uh, dealing with who's who. Um, part of that, of course, they were smart to make all three of these new characters uh, different. And obviously, not only the different sexes, but the different races and things like that to make them very distinct from each other. Uh, yeah. So that's that's very good for a quick recognition, but also uh, just, you know, a lot of this is like, it's a, you know, it's a talky drama, effectively. There's a little bit of action here or there, but it's mainly a talky drama, so yeah, it has there's, to... There's not much action. Yeah, so it has to do that well, and it does. I, I do think the art here uh, from, from Raphael is, is very good, and it was very good in the first issue as well. Yes, I don't think it's like my favourite art, um, but it doesn't do anything bad. It's it's hmm. it's very good. It just doesn't pop in the same way that some other artists do, at least for me. No, that's fair. Like I'm not holding it up to like I would say the art in Gotham Central is better, but you know, uh, that's not Yeah, like like don't get me wrong, it's it's good art. It really is. It, it it's doing its job. I just think it it ends up feeling at least I like you know, let, let's look at my books this week. I'm not going to spoil things, but this is probably not going to be in the conversation for my top art of the week. Hmm. Oh. Okay. Well, so this has been a great many so far, two issues in. Uh, I'm actively excited for it. It's definitely my favourite thing that Ridley... And I've liked a couple of things Ridley's done, but this is my favourite thing Ridley's written so far. Yeah, I think it is a mine as well. Yeah. Uh, really good stuff. All right, what are you giving uh, GCPD, The Blue Wall, issue two? Ooh, I will give this the 8.5. I'll, I'll break that out at last. Yeah, I think I'm inclined to give that to this as well. So yeah, 8.5 for me. Uh, really good stuff. All right. Deceased, War of the Undead Gods, issue 4. Tom Taylor writing, Trevor Hersine on the art. So, obviously we're building, you know, these the undead army are making their way through the universe. And this issue largely revolves around uh, some of our, our heroes going to meet with the Guardians to talk about how to deal with this. Uh, although we start off with Alfred uh, having a nightmare again about killing his sons <laughs> and yeah. regretting it because now there's a cure for the, the zombie virus. So it's just this, you know, it's him shooting the three of them, streaming out in pain, uh, and then waking up. And we find out that he is now in a relationship with Leslie Tompkins. Uh, who's there? And to everyone's say, very happy for them. Yeah, he's, she's there to comfort him. Uh, she's trying to tell him it's not his fault. Um, and I, there's a little bit here that I quite liked about how uh, you know, 
like you helped Bruce all those years being Batman and maybe the reason why you were so easily reserved and sort of nice about everything is because you knew you were helping him go out and like you know take out rage on others so you didn't necessarily have to like you know you had like this this weird like sort of like avenue for your anger to go right you you got to like almost uh delegate your anger through batman <laughs> a little bit yeah because yeah. he was obviously directly involved he wasn't out there punching but he was helping actively yeah involved yeah yeah so uh damien comes by and like leslie tries to lie about why she's there and it you know he's, he's just yeah he's, like, don't bother yeah uh he's a detective and all that uh but they both say they've got a bit too much of uh you know batman in them uh you know, him being his detective self, Alfred, um, wanting to get involved, and Damien saying, no, stay back. Yeah. Uh, but it's all very sweet. It's a really nice scene. Uh, it's another example of Taylor using this alternate version of these characters to have sweet moments and, and kind of play with them. Uh, even, like, John realizing that Alfred and Leslie's together to Damien uh, as they're flying off to meet the Guardians uh, is really fun. Uh but anyway, we get an example of one of the planets that have been attacked by the undead gods, um, one that's evacuated. Yeah, it's just a little action sequence, essentially. Like yeah. Just an excuse to, to have some punching. A, a little note on this, though. So it's the planet Almarak, and the, the first uh, narration panel here says, uh, Almericans are born for war. Al- Almarakians. Almarakians, whatever you'd say, I don't know. Yeah. Oh, I I mean, it's made that word. I don't know how you say it. <laughs> you say it like it's like, like it's red. You missed our letters. Almarakians. Uh, anyway, the reason why I'm saying it wrong is because when I glanced at it, I read Americans, and the panel still, and the, the narration box still made sense. Everything works, yeah. As a species, you know, they, they, they saw battle and conquest. Yeah, because if you replace it with Americans, it's Americans are born for war. All their greatest advances are the and military of nature. I'm like, yeah. So I was like, wait, did I read that right? And I went back and went, oh, no, it's this alien planet. I don't think that's an accident. Probably not. Probably not. But I I misread it as Americans first, and it it made sense, and it took me a minute to realize, wait, why are they talking about Americans? Oh, because they're not. (laughs) (laughs) They're talking about this. Anyway, uh, so, yeah. So two of them stay back to fight, but they evacuate the planet. So not a lot of death in this case. Uh, But it's a fun action sequence. You get to see Darkseid in his big Sinestro gear, all the rest of it. Uh, but the main part of the issue is really the meeting with the Guardians and uh, the Guardians deciding that they need to just kill all the planets that have been infected, which of course our main characters are all like, no, wait, they can be saved. Superman especially is like, no, like there's a cure for this now. And yep. the Guardians sort of like square up to Superman and like, you know, you got Cassandra and Mary Marvel with their lightning powers like standing behind them. Basically, everything that keeps, like, the conflict kind of rising, Kyle tries to calm it down, but everyone's getting more heated to the point where the Guardians are even, like, we're going to even, like, imprison Superman here whilst we go and, like, kill these planets. Uh, and Superman punches through the Green Lantern bubble and hits uh, the Guardian I, in the face, which is a good panel. I love this as being one of the funniest references as well. Because this, uh, you know, on the same page, you have a guy saying, you know, one punch, he knocked out a Guardian with one punch. Uh... That is the exact dialogue. Obviously, changed very slightly, but uh, uh, when uh, when Batman punched Guy, uh, oh yeah, yeah, he knocked him out with one punch. And even the actual panel of the the punch itself, the the side on shot and the fist coming in, that's exactly how that was drawn. Uh, so it's a very intentional homage, uh, which made me laugh a lot. 
Yeah, no, that's good. That's good. Uh, and then, you know, so this all breaks out. And then you see Ares is watching. And you're like, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> this yeah. is why they're so quick to start this, this throwing punches. This was involved. Yeah, so basically, uh, I think it's Damien who like is like, wait, this is we're not in control of this. And he notices Ares. And he's like, stop this right now. Uh, and then the end of the issue is a Mixabellic shows up. And he's here. So... Yeah, we'll always, see how, always fun. We'll see how that goes. I mean, this was this was a solid issue. I, I liked uh, all the Alfred stuff at the start was really sweet and great. Um, they're building up this impending doom of Dark Side and the Undead Army coming through, you know, the the universe. And I liked the the big confrontation with the Guardians. Um, it's it read super quick. It read super quick. I think the the one fault that all of the Undead stuff, or sorry, all the deceased stuff has had is that none of it's been as good as that uh, many, the Unkillables. <sighs> yeah. That's that's the one problem it's had. It's always been very yeah. pleasant. There's always been good moments. It's always enjoyable to read. But I would say that the art's never been as good as that many and that the atmosphere has never been quite as good as that many because, you know... It's, that... it's always been, like, fun. Like, this always, is still fun. Yeah. I'm still... I'm still having a great time with this. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. But, man, it doesn't even come close to Unkillables. I don't think any single moment of this entire book has had a lot of good moments uh, throughout the main parts of it. Including I, one punch. Yeah. I don't think any moment is going to match that moment where you realise Mary Marvel's on that bus. Mm. Mm, that's a damn good moment. Because uh, it just it was perfect. It came out of nowhere. It was great. Uh, and that was a that was a mini full of great moments. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but no, it's still good. It's still really enjoyable. But you know, if, if we're if we're skipping to the rate, that's you know, that's a fine seven. I had good fun. It read quick. I like the what it's building to. Yeah, I'll probably give it a seven point five. But yeah, I mean, in the grand scheme of things, yeah, it's in in, in roughly the same place. So yeah, well, there you go. <laughs> the Sea Sword Undead Gods issue four. So we're halfway through the the series. Uh, so, everybody's on patreon.com slash mailfuzztv, uh, you can... Do, do, do you not read Black Adam? No, I never listed it earlier either. Oh, did you not? Okay. Uh, maybe if you listened when I listed the books at the start of the show... Do you think I listened to you? Well, you can't be mad at me for not expecting it to pop up here, because I never told you it was going to be here. I'm very confused how I counted the right amount of books. Clearly, you can't count. Is is the solution to that? Yeah. Well, in that <laughs> yeah. case, you've got four Connor books in a row on his own to listen to. Yeah. So good luck, everyone. Get your uh your pillow out. Oh, thanks. <laughs> Have you been reading Black Adam? I read the first two issues. I think maybe. What issue are we on? What what is this? This is six. I read maybe the first three, and I that was good. But at that point. No, yeah, fair enough. Uh, I've been really digging it. Uh, I'll give it just a, a brief overview of this issue. Uh, this is... Uh, we've got Eddie Barrows on art at the minute. Um, so it looks pretty great because what this issue is is Black Adam versus Batman. Um, yeah, which uh, looks great. Um, Batman, there's a page like right at the start where they're like facing off in the rain and the shadows. And it looks visually like um, like the Batman v Superman face off, you know, like, like the the in the rain in the city, you know, Batman in the big chunky armor. It's it's very much that page, but except it works because it's Black Adam. 
and that's what's what they're supposed to be doing and <laughs> yeah that, that's characters who are supposed to be facing off i was a bit confused at first because the last issue ended with um black adam being kind of like captured and he'd, he'd been like given like uh aspasia so he couldn't say shazam so he couldn't transform uh it becomes clear as it goes on that he's actually in like a a virtual world uh which batman has created and there's some limitations like you know black adam can't fly in here um uh, so it keeps him contained lots of great fights and and that is the, the bulk of this issue is great fighting stuff uh there is uh almost none of uh, i don't think there's any of uh you know the the, the other character uh whose, whose name i'm actually forgetting but you know white adam um but this is just all uh black adam and, and batman which turns out to not be batman uh at the very end black comes out in the real world he phones bruce and he's like f you i'm coming for you what the hell do you think you're doing we're supposed to be teammates you, you know all right i i got your message time for you to get mine and um bruce is like what the hell are you talking about like you, you gotta explain what's going on uh and uh we actually see it's it's been martian manhunter doing it all uh he's been you know shapeshifted um but that was a that was a fun reveal and um the reveal is a uh, marshman has been assessing black adams uh like like his his fitness to be on the justice league anymore uh following on from an incident where he kind of killed a fighter pilot uh because the the fighter pilot wouldn't stand down and black adam just made him fly into him and he blew up uh it, it was a whole thing last issue uh and and this is kind of following on from that and and it, it's a lot of it is about how for, for black adam he's still constantly like you guys have to stop interfering in my country you guys have to stop interfering in the middle east you can't just overthrow me install a regime and just think that everything will work out great because it never does why won't you learn and they're all consistently like yeah but you're a dictator adam so screw you and uh they're very much black and white about it but black adam's trying to have some nuance uh and it's it's leading for some really interesting kind of uh confrontations between him and his well at this point you know his fellow teammates on the on the justice league and uh, it's it's making it you know priest taking a really interesting look at this uh and seeing you know these these ver how these varying ideologies are beginning to clash and how you know it wasn't a long-term situation him being on the on the league with them because he is so different you know obviously he's been villainous but even when he's not being actively villainous he just has such a different moral ideology to them that that, that of course they were going to clash yeah i can't uh, say i'm shocked at that to be honest yeah exactly uh art and this issue was fantastic though this is barrows at his best uh lots of really heavy shadows which works for batman you know, it, it's really moody and atmospheric. There's a lot of stuff in the in the rain. You know, every every page looks great. Um, no, it's a it's a really great issue. I'm I'm really enjoying this book. Uh, I, w I was surprised you dropped it. I, I I thought this was this is kind of one of the consistently has been one of the best books that have been published so far for me every month. Uh, when I've been, it's one of the ones I've been relatively up to date on. 
I only had one issue to catch up on for this week, as opposed to some other ones where I had to read, like, I don't know, War of the Undead Gods, I had to read three issues. So you hadn't even um, started that, then, is what you're saying? <laughs> no, I did. I'd read one issue. That was issue four we just did. No, I think you yeah, had to read three issues plus the No, the no, no. Three issues, including the new one. Whereas this one, I only had to read, you know, one issue before this one. But, um... No, uh, this, is a, this is a great book. This is like a pretty an 8.5. Uh, really enjoying it. Right, cool. Well, every month on patreon.com slash TV, you can make myself Connor read a book at one of the higher tiers. Uh, Connor, because he's not been on many episodes recently, um, he did a few books last month, but he was like two months behind at that point, so I, I have no idea. Uh, I've worked out. I know how much I've got to do. Okay. Well, whatever, Connor's keeping track, apparently. But he's got three that he's going to talk about today. Uh, starting off with Harley Quinn, issue 17. Yep. Uh, Phillips and, and, and Rosmo, which is the, the last Rosmo issue. So, obviously, after this, there's just more Tim Drake Robin, which... More on that in a minute. But, yeah. Um, it's weird, this issue. So this is the end of the the stuff with uh, Verdict, which I'm finally learning is the name of that villain, that that it really telegraphed was going to be the villain. Um, and this is the, the end of the stuff with Rosmo, and barring the last page of this issue, it treats it like it's the end of the book. Like, if you didn't know any better, this could be the end of the run. And I, I kind of, in some ways, appreciate that Phillips has done that, because it has been... Obviously, Rosmo's not been on every issue, but he's been on the vast majority. And this does make it feel like it has been equally Rosmo's book by by feeling like it's an ending. It's not just the end of an arc. This felt, this felt like a definitive ending of a book where you could have ended it here. And Obviously, it's Harley, so it'll just keep going because sales. But if it had ended here, it would have felt like a natural ending, which it's interesting because obviously there's more of it next month. Um with the same writer, but it makes it feel like maybe it's the start of a, a second run from the writer with a different artist, which I think is a an interesting angle to, to take on it. Um, so credit for that, because I actually, uh, I, I like the way that, that, even if I don't like this artist, I like the way it makes the artist feel relevant and important, and it's like equally part of their run uh, as much as it is the, the writer's run. Um, it is their book. Uh, for better or worse. Uh, it's kind of the same thing we were talking about with Nightwing, with the, the guest artist, and that being very much Redondo's book as much as it is Taylor's. This definitely feels like it's been Rosmo's book as much as it's been Phillips. Which is, you know, been shit for me, but it's still deserving of feeling like it's theirs. Uh, you know, with any artist that's on uh, the book, the majority of it. Um, Anyway, like half this issue, well, no, half. The first like section of this issue is a, a boxing match inside Harley's head between her and Verdict. She's kind of getting coached by Wildcat, like, you know, as it goes. It's fine. Um, it's one of the few places in the issue where Rosmo's kind of wavy panel layout kind of works because it is a dream sequence. So it makes sense to it to, for it to feel a bit off kilter. Um, as opposed to later in the issue where things just are slanted at angles for the sake of them f not being just in boxes. Uh, I don't know. 
It's, it's, it's a weird thing that, that Rosmo has that I really don't like. Um, but the, the rest of the issue is, you know, um, Batwoman and Harley are teamed up. Kevin's still there. And they're going after Sam, who has got City Hall hostage. And she's causing trouble. And they have to stop her. Yeah. And, and in short, they do. It comes down to, you know, Kevin has to do a lot of saving the day because obviously... He's been a big part of this book, and he's been the one in a relationship with Sam. So it's him getting a lot of the moments to kind of stop her and, and, and make sure that, you know, she doesn't win. Harley gets to hit her. She did want to hit her with a baseball bat, but just punches her in the end. But, yeah, and then there's some, like, you know, like a few pages of wrap-up where it's like, oh, no, look. Harley giving Kevin this this pep talk and talking about how oh, you know, Gotham's going to keep going. I'll keep clowning. You know, you know, uh, you know I, did, I did something good today. I did it my way. And this is where it really feels like the end of a, end of a book, which I thought was a really interesting angle. And then there's a, a one-page epilogue, which does actually set up the, the rest of what's coming up next. Um, but like I said, this could, you, know, you cut off this one page and, and runs over. Uh, but the epilogue page is as Sam is being transported to whichever prison, the uh, the the truck is broken open by uh, Killer Frost and uh, Bronze Tiger, and it says, uh, "You're being recruited. Uh, our boss would like to meet you, and to be continued in Task Force XX, because X isn't enough anymore apparently for Waller." Assuming it is Waller, I don't know. These are pretty typical, you know, Task Force X members that, you know, I could see them on that team. So it'll be three X's and it'll just be straight to the porn parody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, that's coming next year, I think. Mm. Yeah. Slash definitely already exists somewhere. But Suicide Squad porn parody? Uh, yeah, probably. 100% I mean, after that well, movie. Yeah, there was movies, so there's definitely a porn parody. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I mean. Like, if it didn't before that, it definitely does now. That's just a, a fact of life. But um, I would say this is this is not the worst issue uh, that that we've had because I think the writing is pretty straightforward. Um, I do think it's it's got that, especially the back half. The issue has some really Rosmo problems with sequences just feeling strange and cluttered and awkward angles for the sake of it as opposed to at the start where it, where the uh the layouts actually fit what was happening a bit better um i'm glad i'm done with it though like really glad because uh yeah this is still like even saying it's better than the most of the issues it's still like a four so yeah no thank you mm. All right. Uh, what's next then? Uh, you got Tim Drake Robin issue two. Yeah, yeah, I did read that, didn't I? So I don't know how much you pay attention to me during these. Probably not much. Do you have any recollection at all what some of my complaints with the first issue were beyond Rosmo? Because oh, look, it's another Rosmo book. Uh, if I remember right, uh, it was very reliant on what was already written in the Urban Legends story. So. Yeah, I was so confused during even this issue yeah. now. Oh, okay. Um, so there are parts of it I can pick up on where it, it's continuing this thread of, oh, it's being aped from, like, yeah, we're taking famous stories that, that and, and the, the villain is recreating them. But 
at one point in this issue, randomly, Tim gains a sidekick. And it is a girl who is blonde and dressed in purple. Is wearing a mask, but it's like a purple hoodie. Mm-hmm. I was like, who is this? Is this supposed to be Steph? For pages. Like, probably about six pages. Because I had no idea who this was supposed to be. But, you know, blonde, a light purple hoodie. I thought, yeah, maybe it's uh, Steph in civvies. Because Tim's, like, not always in his outfit when he's with her. But I was like, hmm. It's not. It's, it's, uh... It's some character called Sparrow. I don't know where she's from. I'm assuming in that urban legend stuff, but I have no idea. But there's no introduction. There's like six pages of her before he says the word Sparrow. Like, it, it was so bad. Like, because I, I, I hate, you, not just to this book, but I hate any comic that doesn't introduce characters properly, uh, especially the first time they're appearing in a series. Uh, but I think it's good practice just to be doing it every issue, uh, just to like, you know, on their first page, say their name somewhere. You know, you don't have to go all in Legion of Superheroes style and give them a pop-up every time, but having a character just saying their name, so I'm, you know, so you're always aware, I think is good practice. I think throwing in this character that I've never seen before and going, how many pages actually is it? One, two, three, four full pages of her before it says her name. And she's a pretty major part of these scenes. She's she's a psychic investigating this crime. They're at the library, uh, talking with the the old librarian and and going through stuff to to find the clues. And to not have me let me have any idea who this character is. Yeah, no, that that's that's really just bad. That's just outright bad. And um, you can't be doing better than that. And, and you know. It doesn't help that it's it's Rosmo, so even characters I do know, I'm like, I don't always recognize. I, I don't recognize Tim out of his uniform, in 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 the, the this book because I'm like, uh, okay, Rosmo. I I guess I do now because I know what Rosmo's Tim looks like. But at first, last issue, I didn't realize. But that that was bad enough. But this here, I'm like, okay, I'm 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 looking at this through the lens of Rosmo art. I'm mean, like, is this Steph? Is this? No, no, some random character called Sparrow. Yeah, awful stuff. Uh, the rest of the issue, <laughs> yeah, it's fine. Uh, it's it's still just going through this detective stuff. Tim's been framed for stealing this diamond, and he's trying to figure out which story this lines up with. And there's some stuff going on in the background of other you know, because he's living in the the docks, and there's a councilman trying to get them all evicted because. Uh, he doesn't like them, and he hasn't liked them there for years. You know, that's just like background stuff that'll be going on in the run. Um, that's fine. Uh, it ends with him being attacked by Robins, because whoever this villain is, is like sending the Robins, and he's sat on, in a chair, and he's got a lot of like masks, like uh, like face masks, like you know the the rubber ones that you can pull on, uh, like you know like a whole collection of them behind him. So I'm assuming it's people wearing these these outfit you know these masks and and outfits but yeah there's like three robins with machine guns like little uzis come and attack him on a rooftop is a, a cliffhanger um which is a fine cliffhanger but yeah it's um it's actually a really bad issue even even without the, the rosmar which is so disappointing because i was so excited for 
a Tim Drake book. I was like, I really wanted it. I really wanted a Tim Drake book, and and this is what I get, and I hate it. I really hate it. I I don't like this so much. I I think this is a worse issue than that Harley issue. Oh dear. Yeah, this is. The the only thing that could make this perfect is if if next Rosma goes onto a Guy Gardner book. That's, oh, don't you bloody dare! That's the that's the beautiful. Don't, don't you dare! You can have him on Carl Rayner. He can't make that stupid crab mask look any worse. How dare you, you snivelling little shithead! No, it, it can't look any worse, even if Rosmo draws it. No, what you're trying yeah. to say is that even Rosmo can't screw it up. It would still look good. Uh, no, 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 I was not what I was trying to say. That's no. what you were trying to say. Yes, I, 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 I was picking up what you were putting down. Uh-huh, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. All right. So I'm, I'm just going to give it a three to give it an official score. Oh, there you go. all right. Well, one, one more. Uh, we're almost done, everyone. Uh, Noctara issue eleven. Yeah, end of the arc. Um, big explosive stuff. Pretty good. Lots of action, as you'd expect. Tony Daniel draws the hell out of action, so. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, it ended last time with uh, Piper kind of sending everything to shit and kind of shutting down the power to the base so all the Megas are coming to get them. Uh, at first, great distraction. Uh, inevitably, it goes wrong. Um, but before it goes wrong, there's some betrayals and some stuff. Uh, Bill's like, hey, can we let's get the code. He, he's, he's basically like promising them that instead of going to Eos and using the sun, the sun won't do anything anyway. So let's worship this god in the dark that there is, and uh, it had a name. I, I can't remember what the 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 name of the this thing was. Um, Nox. Um, but it's like, hey, join me. It'll protect us. It won't let us get eaten. It'll be on our side. It'll be all good. Just give me the coordinates for Eos so we can go and destroy it. And obviously, most you know the group are all like, no. We're not going to do that. And then one of the groups like, yeah, screw it. I'll tell you. I want to live. Um, so gives them the coordinates and then immediately gets shot. And uh, obviously. Uh, so now they're trying to stop Bill and escape and get to Eos while these other, the big mega, like, thing like Megalodon sharks, basically, are coming to attack them in this base. Um, and it turns out the only way for them to get out is for, for Val to kind of sacrifice herself. She's going to stand by the door, blow all these charges, that'll distract them enough so that the rest of them can run across the bridge and get back to the convoy. Um, and uh, you know you have this big kind of thing where, where she chooses to, to sacrifice herself and uh, you know uh, Piper has to go and, you know, replan and, and you know they've got to have a i think m's the new new leader of the convoy and they got a new plan of what they're going to do because instead of just trying to use eos to outshine the dark they're like no that's not going to work we you know we're going to have to embrace the darkness to a point and then kind of take it out from there um and uh it's a really strong issue and then you have a an epilogue page which is a uh, seemingly val uh rising up from the waters not dead, but now covered in that same kind of black substance that uh, that Bill is. Um, so she's kind of one of them now, which will be interesting to see when she you know, uh, links back up with everyone, presumably at some point towards the end of the next arc. 
and uh, how that's going to go down. Uh, exciting stuff for that. But yeah, uh, it's been a really solid arc. This kind of ends in a in a place that, that isn't particularly surprising. Yeah, you know, it has, it has the big showdown. It has the uh, reconfiguring the direction of where we're going to go next with the pretty strong emotional beat of of Fal's sacrifice that is not actually undermined by the ending reveal of her being alive because no one else knows that they they all still go through that emotion it still lands and hits uh as, you know as it should uh, it just has this uh, extra beat at the end for us uh, so i dug that a lot uh, i'll give it a i'll give it an 8 all right cool uh, well, that'll do that the part of the show where we pick our favourite stuff of the week, favourite panel slash moment, favourite cover, favourite art, and top five books. So, we'll start off with panel slash moment. Connor, what do you have? Uh, I'm going to go from the Mr. Freeze issue. I'm just going to go with that panel of, uh, it's Batman just at the entrance to the, to the tunnel. I think that just looks stunning. Yeah. Um, what am I picking? I don't know. I've got, I've got a number of choices I could take. Um, I do like a couple of moments in that. There's a couple of great moments in Nightwing uh, that one could easily take. Um, World's Finest has got that great moment with Dick whispering to Superman. So I think all that said, I think I'm going to go with uh, the Blue Wall. I am going to go with the uh, the, the the murder uh, towards the end of the issue. Uh, it's a really well handled moment. Uh, mm. That kind of just you know is the is the the punctuation, the full stop on the entire point of the issue, uh, which really hits. So uh, I'll go with that. All right, uh, cover of the week. Uh, I wasn't sure what to go with for this actually. I I really like World's Finest. It's Dan Moore, obviously, and it's got the, the, the joke from Joker, which I actually think is really funny. Uh, but I am th- I think I'm going to go with one of the uh, One Bad Day covers. Because uh, there's a few yeah, good... which one? <laughs> there's a few good ones, yes. Uh, the main one, which is obviously Batman and Robin running in what looks like a snow globe, but it looks like Freezy's helmet at the same time. It's kind of got a cool look to it. Yeah, I mean, even the Jim Lee cover, I think, is stunningly good. Yeah, it's just a close-up of Freeze's face. Uh, That's the first like, Jim Lee cover in a while that uh, I've gone, damn. Yeah, even the Sweeney Boo one's got a nice kind of... Yeah, obviously I think it's a little bit anime for your tastes yeah. with Mora, but I, I, you know, there's something about that muted colour palette that just really brings yeah. a lot of these covers to life and uh, makes them stand out. I think I'm going to go with the regular one. I think that's the one I'm picking, but... Yeah, yeah I think I'm going with the same one, but there's at least three great covers for this book that are probably above any other book this week mm. uh, alright uh, R of the week that's so tough because it's it comes down to me between uh, One Bad Day and World's Finest and I think I'm going to give it to One Bad Day but man, it's, it, it says a lot that more can turn in a a regular issue on a monthly book and still be fine contention with these, you know, one shots that have typically more time dedicated to them from the art department. Yeah. Um, and given it too much thought, uh, I do want to say Pissarum is very good on flash and obviously 
Raphael was very good on Blue Wall. But there wasn't really much art this week that I didn't like. Even Niccolo, who's not necessarily my style, was really befitting of what the the story was. It still fit the material very well. Uh, yep. That said, though, I'm still going with One Bad Day. Because <laughs> it was overall the, the biggest showpiece and had lots of great moments. Uh, and was a nice, pleasant surprise. So, yeah. Uh, and then top five books of the week. Go. Oh, oh, God. Uh, I think first... Maybe Black Adam, actually. Yeah, I think I'm going to go... Mm. No, I'm going to go uh, GCPD, Blue Wall, and then Black Adam. But it's pretty close. Then Nightwing, then World's Finest, and then One Bad Day, which tells you just how good the art was. That he, he, you know, It was my top art. It had my panel for art, but still only just kind of cracked the top five for me. Yeah, um, I think I will go number one. I'll also say Blue Wall. Uh, I'll say number two is One Bad Day, though. Number three, World's Finest. Number four, Stargirl. Number five, Nightwing. I think. Hmm? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, fl- Flash and DC Speed, the two that are left off for me, makes sense. Uh, I had a pretty good week, though. My my average was uh, very uh, comfortable, and it was a very consistent week for me, for the most part. So, very good. I will now tell you what is coming next week from DC Comics. So, we have Detective Comics 1066, Action Comics 1049. That's the one that's not got Connor on it. <laughs> oh, yeah, I see it. Uh, uh, you it's got, a nice cover as well. It's a very nice cover. Uh, DC vs. Vampires issue 11, The Human Target issue 9, Harley Quinn 24, Deathstroke Inc. issue 15, Dark Crisis The Dark Army issue 1, Tim Drake Robin issue 3, Batman Fortress issue 7, Batman Gotham Knights Gilded City issue 2, DC Horror Presents Sergeant Rock vs. The Army of the Dead issue 3, Punchline The Gotham, <laughs> Punchline, the Gotham Game, if I can say that properly, issue 2, Young Justice Targets issue 5, DC Mech issue 5, The Batman Scooby-Doo Mysteries issue 2, and Batman The Audio Adventures issue 3. So that's what uh, the entire slate for next week is. Uh, but there's a couple of big things there. Human Targets, uh, a big book uh, that I'm sure me and Matt will be really Mech excited Action is always a great one-two punch. Yeah, yeah. That uh, was an interesting pair to get together. Uh, so DC yeah. versus Vampires is going to be coming towards the end as well, right? That's the penultimate issue, yeah, so 12 yeah. total. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it should be a fun time next week. I kind of wish they left that, uh, the announcements for next week, because we had solicits this week, but hey, whatever. Uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll cope, I guess. Uh, but there you go, that is the that's what's coming. So which leads me to just uh, thank you for joining the show, everyone. It has been a pleasure. You can support everything by going to patreon.com slash TV. And supporting us on a regular basis over there, including getting early access to the show uh, sometime late in the Saturday night, whenever it's ready. Uh, you can also, of course, uh, hit the... Uh, well, there's no super thanks button on that channel. But you can like, subscribe, ding the bell for notifications, all that stuff on YouTube. All of it helps. Uh, rate us on your podcast app of choice and share us out with your friends on whatever social media platform you use and still exists. Uh, but uh, that, is, uh, that is all that. And I'll also thank our Patreon producers for the month. Thank you to Tyler Hess, Andy Palacios, David Sharp, Bordenow, Christopher Moy, David Brown, Al Treisman, and Alison M. Fordyce. Uh, thank you to you all and all of our patrons for supporting us. Just say, 
should Twitter die slash be dead already? Uh, we're, we're still in Discord. We have a Discord server. There's a Discord, there. yes. Uh, there's Discord. Uh, I did make a mail fuzz Mastodon account uh, not too long ago. No one's really used it yet, <laughs> but it's there. But it, it, it exists. It exists. Yeah. Should we need it? Yeah. Uh, but pretty much, I would say, if like Twitter does just disappear, I need to contact us in some way. Uh, the Patreon's a good way of doing it, or just go to the YouTube page, uh, and there'll be links to a lot of relevant things in the descriptions for the recent episodes. Uh, the easiest way of doing things. But uh, that is us. So thank you very much once again for watching and listening. We always appreciate it. Keep reading DC Comics. And remember to never get lost in the Speed Force. Thank you.